CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What is up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and uh, I can tell you this one is an absolute banger. Uh, Dennis Hogan is a... Uh, well, he's the mandatory number one ranked boxer in the world. Uh, he had two title fights last year and uh, has another title fight one, once all this weirdness uh, kind of settles itself out. But Dennis is a, a mutual friend of mine through Andrew Cleary, who's also come on the podcast. And we've been wanting to do this one for a while. Um, and I guess it's kind of always the way uh, with these things. They sort of take a little while to line up. But man, I'm so glad we got it done. It was such such a good podcast he's such a great dude he's been through so much in his life and was so open and so honest about uh, the experiences that he's been through in his life um, different battles that he's been through um, very open about his use of psychedelics which was really really cool to, to hear from somebody that has done what he's done in his life um, so yeah amazing podcast uh straight up into one of my all-time favorites um so thanks so much to dennis for coming on i've got to give a shout out to our sponsors uh the guys at combat nutrition cmbtnutrition.com.au uh this product is made for fighters by fighters and i think that the term fighter probably shouldn't just be defined to people that go in a gym and spar or do jiu-jitsu or boxing or kickboxing. Uh, I feel like everyone's involved in a fight uh, just when it comes to general day-to-day life. And I know that combat helps me get through that, um, especially at the moment I've been doing a lot of running because I haven't, um, I've been injured. Um, so their amino uh, formula and then their protein has been really a big part of my program lately um you can use the code gypsy for 15 percent off at cmbtnutrition.com.au uh and also we are brought to you by the guys at macro kitchen uh, now this is something that is new to me uh it's something i, I actually chase these guys down um they're in burley that they're, they're local they do uh, a meal service that it can either get delivered to your door uh, or you can actually go and pick it up from uh, their Burley headquarters. And it's fresh, not frozen. And I basically have been living the full bachelor lifestyle at the moment, eating a lot at the studio. And I was just doing the Uber Eats thing and it was getting super expensive and super unhealthy. And I looked for a better way to do it. Uh, and I found uh, that these guys were probably going to be my best option for what I wanted. Um, so we've done done a deal with these guys. I'm super excited about it. Uh, and you can log on to macrokitchen.com.au and use the code GYPSYGANG10 uh, to get 10% off your uh, orders. 
Uh, also got to give a shout out to the guys at Rival Inc. and Thrill Seekers, huge supporters of this podcast. You can go to rivalincdesignco.com uh, and use the promo code GYPSYGANG to get 15% off uh, any graphics, uh, jersey prints, these guys are the best in the game you've definitely heard me talk about it before and the same goes for thrill seekers i just got a box of stuff from them uh yesterday with some epic tees uh some subby cool some sticker sheets and also a little gift for jack miller in there uh a new seat cover for his trusty 450 that we sent on up to him um so yeah use the code gypsy gang to get 15 percent off at both of those companies and the website for thrill seekers is thrillseekerscollection.com uh also just a real quick one to the guys at cricks uh they're still giving away that brand new ktm 450 it's a 2020 model all you have to do is buy a new or used car through the guys at Crick's Tweed uh, before June 30 and you go in the draw to win uh, that KTM 450. It's about a 1 in 50 chance, so it's really, really good odds to win a brand new motorcycle. Also, the weather's cooling down, Rona's out and about, you don't want to be getting sick uh, because you've been cold. So you can head to Dixon quality with two x's.com.au uh, and you can pump in the code ramp thief and uh, you're going to get 15% off uh, your Dixon flannel order uh, and if your hands are getting cold or you want to avoid the Rona through hand contact uh, or you just like having the best dirt bike gloves on planet earth you can head to fisthandwear.com and use the promo code fuckjace to get 20% off your fist handwear order a uh, special shout out to sammy for supporting the podcast the way he does uh, the way he does as uh on camera talent and also behind the scenes um also you can support the podcast on patreon at patreon.com slash gypsy tales uh thanks so much to everybody for listening thank you for your continued support everyone has been amazing through such a hard time uh, and i hope this podcast gives you some form of inspiration to uh to just keep on fucking charging through all of this weirdness thank you very much for listening everybody so dennis hogan is in the building uh i don't know the bo's and wbo's but uh you're uh, the number one ranked uh contender for uh world boxing ranks yeah i've been uh, number one mandatory and uh, when i fought for the wbo world championship last year I then moved up to middleweight for a world championship fight and now I'm back down to super welterweight. So um, we've got a world title eliminator, which was meant to be earlier this year, uh, but now it's going to be later on this year. So it's all going. We've done, we've had a lot of exciting few years, uh, a few years gone, and we've another good few exciting years to come too. So I'm very excited. So for those of you that don't know boxing, fucking gangster. <laughs> is basically the, the long and the short of it. I'm actually been lucky enough to see you fight. I went and wa- uh, watched, maybe it was the last fight you fought in Australia, actually, mm. when I was there with Cleary. And uh, and it was just impressive to see, like, real boxing, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, you can go, I love the MMA scene in Australia. Like, I always go to the Eternal MMA fights. Big, you know, UFC fan. I like going to... Uh, boxing uh, like amateur fights and pro fights here in Australia but like seeing someone like on your level was very cool to see for the first time like in person not on TV yeah 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 um yeah, well, I mean, it, it, that was a big fight. That was a lot on the line that time too. Um, I had already become mandatory 
while I locked in to fight the number 15 and I was number one at the time ah. so it was everything for me to lose you know realistically uh, you know a lot of people would have pulled and said we don't need to fight this we've got the champion next but because he was a young kid too like up and comer right he, oh, well yeah I mean he was uh, um, um, he, he had less experience than me I don't yeah. think he was too much he was a bit younger but uh, but um, but mate I'll tell you when you get somebody there that has the opportunity to leapfrog all yeah. the way from 15th in the world to 1st in the world you know they're coming with their best yeah. and for me motherfuckers um, come at you in the gym let alone I like know, well, real fight I, I've said this before I've said that you, you you'll never know what it's like um, to, to um, when you when I became top 15 after that every single person that got in to spar me is now looking to, is now looking to take yeah. my head off because they want to see where they are against you yeah. so uh, it's only like a couple of people like myself and Jeff that know how to box and roll with it and just a few other guys just know how to roll with it and just try like and get good work but without yeah, killing good each other work without, like, like yeah. there's times where I and there's times where Jeff can throw in a bigger shot and we just don't so then, so now we can keep working with each other. We can do more rounds. We don't. Um, yeah. But uh, but when you get those guys that come in for the first time and you know they're a little bit like you are where I, you're where I want to be. Yeah. And I'm gonna try and I'm gonna make it work. Here. And people talk too. Like yeah. You, you know you hear those stories of you know like when uh, when Paulie fought uh, Connor like sparred him and yeah. it was like that was a huge like huge news like because that's essentially the what you're talking about like Paul Malinaji was a world champion in boxing yep. and then Connor wasn't and instantly they put Connor on that level like he just knocked out a world champion yeah. even though it was inspiring yeah and it looked good I mean it, it looked yeah I, I always like to see the full videos of everything that went on too have um, they released that yet it's still not out eh nah I haven't seen anything like that but I, it's really not cool to do that in boxing yeah it's really not cool I know John Cavanaugh I met him um, had coffee with him down in Melbourne and all that lovely lovely, lovely fella I don't know how that video got out there but all I know USC is, would have done it for sure yeah probably yeah. Um, and I don't know if I, I don't know if Polly was in on it or not actually Polly interviewed me for my uh pre-fight ah, uh, interview yeah. before uh, my fight because he's Showtime yeah 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 and um, lovely fella as well and I'm thinking right you've got McGregor you've got these guys and how did all that come about was that just a big money thing or not I don't know but, you never know in that but, world but right? I, yeah I know but here, I mean, here's the thing with boxing right and it's happened to me before if I think it's a spar that, that that like you know that you're getting in and you need to be 100% right you're getting in and you're doing all the basics right and everything okay but then sometimes you know like when you're on the floor and you're trying to learn new things this is where sparring can be a little bit different because you're only in there trying out these things that you've learned Yeah. and sometimes because of that you're a split second off and you can just be hit with a shot that will knock you off balance and 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 it, and it is what it is you know what it is it's a little bit embarrassing but then all of a sudden then word gets out around Brisbane and then everywhere that you've just been knocked out by this kid but the worst thing is for that kid the next time he comes back I'm going to give him a bit You're of a touch up now. <laughs> you know but not I don't know not really you don't go in with bad intent or anything, but, you yeah, have to, but, but you have to come back and get back to your basics and yeah. you have to start doing that again and then just just to see you know before you start to try new things again so so you can feel like you'll get clipped and you're like yeah okay I shouldn't have that what that just wasn't all the way clean yet because yeah. I can feel that same shit in jiu-jitsu mm. whereas I'll do something and I'm like oh, it's yeah. probably not going to happen but yeah. I, I wouldn't do that in a competition yes but I'm doing it in the gym 
and then you're like, yeah, fuck, makes sense. You like you'll get caught after it. Well, see, that's the right way place to do it. So, um, so what you do is, you, everything in a fight must be just uh, uh, reactionary. It must be just a hundred percent. You're not thinking in there, right? Relate that back to everything that you've done in in sparring. Uh, will then come out in a fight, right? But 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 inspiring all those things that you try, you get them right on the bag, and you make them uh, instinct on the bag. Then in a in a spar. So if you're in a spar going, I'm going to try this now. I'm not sure. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll probably get clipped. It has to flow nicely. So if you do it enough times, over and over and over again on the bag or in drills, it will just flow in a spar, and that's it a beautiful that feeling. Instinct, yeah. yeah the, the, I've actually been been clipped twice in sparring by guys lighter than me. Believe it or not. And it's always been when I was trying to do something specific. Mm. And so once that happens, it's just embarrassing. It's just like, oh, okay, I get back up, get back to my basics. And then you start winning rounds again and you know it doesn't mean anything. You know you need to go back to the bag and, and get it right there first again. So is that, okay, that, that just fucking makes a bit of sense for me. So is that why the importance of like drilling for you and bag work? Because for me, when I, I'm talking in a jiu-jitsu sense, obvious disclaimer they're two fucking different sports but it's mm. still techniques and it's still a version of combat yeah and i'll just try everything in roles like i never drill or practice anything i kind of learn it yeah and then i just do it in sparring yeah that's my whole mentality behind it because i'm like uh if i can do it in in the role then like what's the point of like trying to do it in a drill like i'll just try and do it over here but the instinct thing makes sense because I feel like some of my best, most like proudest moments that I've got uh, in terms of like in a training room is when it was just yeah. instinct. Yeah. And and that was stuff that, granted, I'd done it a lot in roles, but it's like maybe you could get it to that instinct point because of the drills to where it's always going to work in the roles. Yes. And, mm. that, and if, you, if there's anything that, you, that you're looking to do, do it in a few drills a few times where you feel like, fuck, I can't get this wrong. Yeah. You know, then Bruce Lee had some kind of saying, don't do it till you get it right, do it till you can't get it wrong. Yeah. And if you do that, then that's what happens. And, and believe it or not, when you're in the flow, and and there, I I realised a few years back there is such a thing as the yeah, flow I totally where agree. time does feel like it's going slower and your confidence is up and you feel like you can do nothing wrong and in that moment you can't and um, and so that's in the flow is where everything happens like I I could plan to do a certain combination and it'll flow and it'll be what it is and whatever but sometimes when I just react from what people do and I throw about five punches I'm like how did I even like yeah. you just, sometimes you mesmerise yourself a little bit but it's through doing it a million times that it just flows when it's supposed to yeah. and your brain knows and makes all those I, I'm, a, I'm just brilliant at patterns I've always been brilliant at patterns but not to consciously think about them to mentally know them and that's what we spoke about a little bit before this uh, started when we spoke about um, just uh, psychology and everything else it was patterns that I started to notice that got me into that in a big way so what were those patterns that first got you onto that path uh, in terms of boxing or, or psychology? Um, I guess like or the boxing both. stuff that led you into the psychology. Like did it come first in like more of a, you researched it, thought about the psychology of it and then implemented it in boxing or did you notice it in boxing learn about the psychology and then implement it in life yeah look a, a lot of it kind of happened at different times but um i definitely know that I, I i could definitely get a feeling um if something wasn't going right like let you know uh, cycles going on sometimes like i i started to realize when i i nearly started to get the feeling before i got in there of of when i was going to box really well and mm. when i wasn't and what was going on for me at that point 
and then you start to look back then but what was going on there and I'll just tell you you know Phil Johnson I had a session with Phil Johnson before he was a psychologist for um, the Australian cricket team and for the Broncos yeah. and he had a runner and uh, she could run the best times and she could have she could have bad days too and he, he just said well how do you feel on the days you run good and she goes oh I get up I feel good I'm in the car I'm talking to everybody when I get there I help the kids and all that till I'm ready to go and then I run the best times ever and what happens when you're not oh I just don't feel up to it and I'm sitting in the car and I'm not really talking I get there I'm kind of I keep to myself and then I don't run well and he said well what if you just start to uh um, to emulate the days when you do feel good and see how you go start talking in the car on your way in start, go help the, and, and see if that can change or any before and lo and behold it did so uh, a lot of the psychology that, that was a when he told me that it made a lot of sense for me too I'm like you know they say fake it till you make it I, I think that has a different meaning but in, certain, in terms of when it's fight night and you're getting that feeling during the day that you're not really feeling it uh, I th then you know I started thinking back of what would I do the days that I am feeling it, and I started to emulate that, and you start to get yourself into the energy of it, and yeah. before you know it, it's it's right before you're about to go out there, and you've go you've gotten into the energy of where you need to be. So uh, that's just getting yourself into the flow and getting yourself ready. But in terms of everything else. People ask how much is mental, how much is physical, and I reckon it's all mental. Yeah. Your body can only do what your mind will let you, and it's just figuring out patterns in your life, in what's working for you, and uh, just keeping to that. Take in what you, what, what's working for you, and let go of what's not. Yeah, well, we mentioned before, I actually should mention too, that we, we sat down and we did like a full proper chat before this because I had some computer stuff going on. And it like I've never really done that before, but man, we touched on like so much really cool stuff. So I guess yep. the goal now of this is just to try and retouch on like all the cool shit we spoke about before. Yeah. But you you mentioned the um, fake it till you make it. That Joe Dispenza book. Yeah. Um, the I wish I could remember the name of the particular book. I'll try and post it at the bottom. But he doesn't. I've always believed in the fake it till you make it thing. Yeah. But now after reading that book he more talks about act like your future self yes and like i've always kind of been scared to do that i just thought that was something that had to be earned like if you basically i associated with if you acted like your future self before you'd earned it then you were just being like egotistical and cocky whereas i'm like well you don't have to act like a dude 10 years down the line or five. You can literally act like the dude that you want to be in 30 minutes. Mm. And you can act like that dude in the present moment. Yeah. So if that dude in, you know, an hour from now is a guy that uh, just went to the gym, just got uh, dog food for his dog and then got home and did his washing before he sat down to read a book, like be that dude, yeah. do whatever you've got to do in the moment. Mm right now to affect that guy and like be that person that to me is more you know act like your future self more so than fake it till you make it yeah and, and like that's something i've been trying to implement a lot more lately and and then taking that a little bit further and be like what's the dude like what's the future me in a month what's the future me in a year can i act a little bit like that guy now that would help me get to that guy yeah without being like some cocky cunt that's got something before he hasn't earned it if that makes sense mm, yeah and and i love that and i just tell you that 
when you say the the cocky and that, okay, so it's a uh, it's 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 a bit more like about a, a vibration. So I feel um, mm. it's not just you know people thinking law of attraction is just thinking about. You got to be able to feel it. So you yeah. bring about what you feel. So um, so it's really about uh, uh, envisioning how you would perceive how would you act if you had that yeah. already and then you've got to feel those emotions so mm. i was actually quite good at doing that through um uh, I've, as i've said before i've had a lot of mentors and um and also the joe dispenza books uh, he really did in one of the meditations that he did that i've i've done being able to get into that vibration how would you feel if you had this yeah. so what you do is you then start to feel that vibration uh, maybe if 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 it involves like say for me a press conference going off and getting a buy, investing in a nice suit, that's what it is. All of those things. But here's the thing, and, and I like the way you said it. You know the the whole thing about you know sort of being arrogant and everything. Well, that, if you get into that space, what I find is especially in the boxing game, you, I'll find it very quickly if I get into that space because life will humble me. So if you're yeah. acting somewhere where you're not actually, you know, you can dress that way, you can start to feel that way, you can do all of those things, you can start to speak that way, but you've got to start backing it up in the physical as well. And yeah. and so if I, like when I start saying that I would be world champion, and I, I was going over to Mexico to to beat the mm. world champion and. Which many I, people think you still did. I mean, I I did feel I feel like I should actually be the champion. So um 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 so I got, I got myself into the into the energy of how that felt. Yeah. What did it feel like to 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 beat the monster that everyone was afraid of? What did it do? And I got myself into that energy in that space, and you can hear it in my words. And so we went out to Germany now, and 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 we we put on a great performance. All was good, but but to get to that point, right? I didn't get the decision, but but to get to that point, I had to start to see it and feel it, right? And then that started to manifest the opportunities for me to back it up physically. Yeah. So then I I I I'd beaten the number six. Then I had beaten when I was number two. I beat the number three. Then I went to number one. I had to beat the number fifteen. But I had to still stay in the energy that I am the best. But what happens is life starts to to give you those tests to say how like you know are you really? And when you do and you start to beat those tests, that's when it starts to amplify your confidence even more into that person that you had perceived and, and felt like you wanted to be. And then all of a sudden one day you just show up as that person. Yeah. But uh, if you if you just I met I met a guy before back years ago. I was in Ireland. We were in a sauna. It was before um, a title fight out in Germany. Fucking euros in their saunas, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I met this guy in there anyway, and he was from McGregor's gym. But he was he was going around. He was kind of talking like McGregor. But I got a sense off him that he was he was just saying these things, think, thought, think, thinking that if yeah. you just say them, yeah. that he will catch up with you. Yeah. But you truly have to believe them. You gotta you gotta truly feel how it feels. And when you get to that point. It's in a moment, then you know that it's possible. Yeah. And then you got to back the work up to do it. So it's all these things in conjunction with each other that then uh, uh, give the result, I feel. Going around, to, like McGregor says, if you speak it, you'll see it. Yeah, but you have to believe it too. You have to yeah. truly believe it. Because there's a difference between like thinking you can win and knowing you can win. Yeah. That's yeah. like, and I just remember that from racing because the the one of the biggest parts of the race in motocross because that's kind of my where i come from is there's 40 guys on the start line and they're all in a line there's no grid they all start in the same line and then it funnels into a turn now technically 
like I was a really good starter. If I practiced starts, I did the technique and I could really get good starts. But when it come to a race decision or like a race situation, I never got the whole shot. There's right. very, very few races where I was the first dude through that first turn, even though when I practiced, I was really, really technically good at it. And it was belief. Yeah. And it's like, I could say, I want to, I'd sit there and be like, I want to get the whole shot. I want to get the whole shot. But I didn't. Yeah. I was scared of getting the whole shot because I knew that there was like five, six, seven other dudes that were way faster than me. Yeah. And I didn't want to be like embarrassed by that, uh, by getting the whole shot and then passing back. So I was like, get a start kind of where I thought I should be, where yeah. I belonged. And I never really like kind of let myself get those good starts and man you can see it across all racing like the same dudes get the whole shot mm. the same dudes get the good starts they get mm. the same positions and all the other guys kind of everyone's there's like a natural order to i guess like the fucking way things are because of what people believe yeah. of themselves mm. yeah and it's like i've gotten better at sport with especially my jiu-jitsu stuff like this is the best i've ever done at a sport really like I've never thought I'd be a national champion at anything. Yeah. But I think so much of that come from the insecurity that would have held me back from allowing myself to get a good start in a race or thinking that I belong somewhere like this, just with the jujitsu stuff. Like I just kind of don't give a fuck, like choke yeah. me if you want. I don't really care. Like I'm just going to have a crack at it. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean, it's so true. And, and, and there's also little things as well, mate, that, um, Sometimes, if you have an attachment to something that you want so much, mm. sometimes that get in the way because it's like a, this is it's pretty deep when it comes to it. But um, I've relinquished, you know. I, I do visualize and I and I can see the belt on me, and I know I'll be world champion. I know I'll be those things, but I had to relinquish the the, the feeling of needing it because yeah. I was getting like I'm so close now. You know, this is it. And you, when you do, because when you when you're putting out the vibe, don't forget we bring about what we feel. There's a thing called the um, there's a, a reticular activating system in a, inside of us that gives out a vibration and that sends it out and then brings it back to us. That's our life. It's what we're putting out, we're getting back. Yeah. And so I, if I'm vibrating as the champion right now with no attachments to it, it's going to come to me a lot quicker than I'm vibrating. I need yeah. the title. Because if you're saying I need it, it means you don't have it. You're vibrating that you don't have it, is it going to get back that you you're don't have it? Get it yeah. So it's funny you say that because if you're just enjoying something and having fun learning, you're probably going to get more successful a lot quicker yeah. than is if you feel like you need to be something specific. But yeah. as well as what you said there as well, it, it is all, I truly say that the two guys that go into a fight will get, you know, it's it's down to whoever believes they'll win the most, yeah. right? And that's what it will be. And and I have a very innate knowing and, and intuition. And so when we went to, to, um, to all those last guys that I had beaten when I got my last wins, um, I, knew I, I knew I would win. Right, and so when we went to to um, to Mexico, they said to me, "Do you think you can beat this guy?" I said, "I know I can. I know I can outbox him." And they're like, "What do you think? Get the decision." And I went, um, "See, I didn't have certainty about that. Yeah, right. I didn't because and of it, external factors like judges and factors. it was in Mexico. Yeah, because he was a Mexican fighter. Right? He was a Mexican fighter in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everything all in his in his favor. Um, and so and he's the when I look back, too, currently, right? Yeah. So it's like that. That's such a um, like you see with like Ioanni and Jacek's fight 
last week. Did you watch that or a couple of weeks oh, ago? Oh, I've heard, I've heard so many mate, people speak about this. I've seen her face after. Mate, it was fucking brilliant. Me and Cleary are texting each other just going, are you fucking <laughs> believing? It was like when Forrest Griffin fought Stefan Bonner, but for chicks. Okay. It was okay. like that level of just like, Jesus, fuck. I need, I need to see this. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was brilliant. But coming down to what we were saying is that I could see either of those girls winning a decision. And I probably would have... I personally would have bet that Joanna won that fight. But there's just something about being the fucking champ. Yeah. Like, you've really got to beat... A, like, really beat a champion for people to go, that crown is no longer his. Yeah. That's a real motherfucker when it comes to... Because, like, the position that you're in, you guys fucking had a fight. And it's like, a lot of people thought even when i watched it i was like the fucking dennis is i feel like dennis has won this fight yeah but that just that there's that champion thing and then especially the hometown thing like it it's a, that's a real factor that subconsciously i think sticks in people's mind more than people give it credit for maybe yeah i mean there is that but even even feeling like any close any round was close we were quite um we were honest about that. We knew that that was the case. Yeah. Any rounds that were close, but there was definitely seven rounds that, that I'd done enough close, to beat yeah. the champ in his home. Yeah. In his hometown, when I look back and because like, oh, I felt like it was eight rounds. Yeah. I felt like I should have got the last round. People, uh, had given it against me, but it was my largest round on box on CompuBox. I had landed five more power shots and three more jabs. It's just because it's he was huge. coming forward. Yeah. But he's coming forward as the champion in his home, looking dominant. They're, they're able to go, that's easy for him, even though Dennis outpunched him in that one. Yeah. It's just the physical feeling of it all. Have you spoken much about these fights yet? Um, yeah, I've probably spoken a bit about that one. I, I Yeah, a, a little bit about that one. But, um, I mean, everyone knows where I stand. Everybody's the same with yeah, me on that I, one. Yeah, I haven't heard so anyone that says much no, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, you were meant to get a rematch and then we didn't and then we went and uh, we had gotten a PBC were interested in me as, as were our promoters and we locked in on a 3 fight promotion with, uh, with with top rank and um, a, a, a 3 fight deal sorry and uh, we had a, we had a really guy for a world title eliminator and then it was meant to be world championship and, and defence and it was a great deal done there and um, the, apparently that fella pulled out and then at middleweight then there was Charlo um, yeah. sitting there and I had heard um, that they had asked 10 people to fight him in that amount yeah, of time. he's a fucking monster, right? Hey, mate. He is so, a fucking monster. I mean, I, I told myself what I need because I did fight at middleweight. I was light heavyweight champion of Ireland and I just thought, well, first of all, I'll be honest, the conversation went like this. Right, Dennis, you've got this brilliant deal there at 154. I know, I love fighting at 154 because I've been there so many times yeah. I know what it's like I've just you know fought Mungia who's a bigger there. puncher so um, in terms of power what I get hit with what I give back I know I can stop them in their tracks a lot with what I do and all but then you've got one of the fastest slickest fast twitch f oh. big, big punchers in middleweight but uh, you know I, I, first of all I went you know what I always go with my certainty. I go with my intuition. It's very strong. And um, I said, I don't want to do this fight first up. Um, so I declined it first off the very first conversation. I said, um, it's an unknown. This is middleweight. I don't box at middleweight. It's an unknown. And then so I was being pitched on it again, a couple of different angles. And I just said, and, and they were like, well, the money is better. They've made the money really good. And they've done all these things. That was, and, and then I said, you know, but I said, but here's the thing with me in my career right now. I'm so close to hitting a goal that I was never meant to achieve yeah. uh, at my own weight. 
if I was to take this and lose and then be set back another few years, uh, I couldn't live with myself. And they said, well, if and they came back to me and said, well, PBC have said you're one fight away from a world championship at 154 again if you take this fight. And I was like, oh, how could I say no yeah. now? So then Dennis, logical, Dennis Hogan thinking kicked out and Hurricane kicked in. Right, let's do this. And then I was <laughs> the delighted. Can't he, exactly. <laughs> and we went all for it and um, just, just gave it everything in training. And if anything, overdid it. I overcooked myself again for the second time. Now, when I say this, I know that people might be people saying, you know, oh, don't make excuses, whatever. There's no excuses. That's, that's Char I was Charlo in there, right? Who knows what would have happened? He punched like a mule. Those shot that the shots that he hit actually didn't even hurt because it was just so. I'm up, I'm boxing. What? I'm on the ground. What? The first time in my life being properly knocked yeah, down. Yeah, you've never been knocked down. Before, never been right? knocked down. And his first shot was 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 beautiful. What he done was beautiful, right? And it it was fucking sneaky to where like it hadn't thrown a lot before it, eh? Yeah. And that was just fucking. Yeah, it was, it was. So I'll just tell you the genius of it. So what I've got going for me is really fast uh, entries and and smart exits. So you get in fast, you get out fast. You get. You would have seen me playing with Mungia all night with that. Yeah. And with this guy, I did notice uh, when we were watching tape of him before. He he steps backward a bit, and he's very fast to do that. So that sort of leaves you when you're coming in with a planned attack. Sometimes it sort of leaves you in no man's land a little bit. So he's more of a counter puncher. Yes, yeah. So he's yeah. punching off the and, and especially being being patient. So he steps back, and he sort of has you at his long range. So I was sort of I wasn't I sort of knew it going in, but then we were looking for his one two and his right uppercut. We were watching for those his right uppercut is devastating. Yeah. And um and so what I was doing okay, so he's stepping back. I said, Okay, I'll get him now this time. I'm gonna get him with a bit I thought this is gonna be a big one now. Um this is gonna be a round stealer. Uh I was going I was coming fake to the head, down to the body, bang, bang, but that was what I was trying to do. This time he didn't step back and he just threw this left uppercut that just came straight underneath my right hand uh, coming, uh, oh, sorry, my it was, that was just coming back, just came up there and boom. And I just, when I look back and I think that was genius because he was setting me up all yeah. the time. So I was, uh, I'm very acutely aware of that now because you get me once with it, yeah, I feel like you won't get me again. But the, the, the knockout that got the fight in the end was absolutely on my fault. And um, there was no genius. Well, I mean, it was good what he did, but I was in one spot for too long. Yeah. You see, what Mungia, I didn't allow myself to do that. But my legs had tightened up. And uh, and again, like in my training camp, w when we got over to America, I had, this, I had a hip injury. Just before I went, I had uh, lower back stuff, I had quad stuff. I'd just done too much training. And with flying over to the press conference and flying back again, my body is full of cortisol. Yeah. And as you're still training and getting ready, you got to do it. That, that still keeps filling. And you, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all my physio and massage and uh, magnesium baths with the floats, doing all of that stuff. But it just wasn't enough to, 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 to balance out all the work that I was putting in. I was putting in huge hours in the gym because that's what we felt was needed for this. But um, but when I got in there that night, my legs just, my, my whole body just, it, it my legs didn't want to move like it did on the night of Mungia. You know, they're in and out, in and out. And I just stayed in the spot for two seconds, for a second too long, split second too long. And when he threw the jab, I thought the right hand was coming again. And I was lazy because I was trying to conserve energy because yeah. my legs had been through the miller. So I, he was going to choose throwing the right hand, and I'll just say up to that point, anything we missed with the right hand, I was going, hoo, 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 just to you know yeah. play with it a little bit. But so I, after the jab, I thought the right hand was coming, but he fainted and he threw a hook. Yeah. And as I was going down to get out of the way, the right hand he caught me beautiful. Yeah. 
boom and uh, when I stood up I thought I said what is that pain in my head but I said oh, I can make this anyway he referee said walk forward I stumbled off a little bit and uh, and um, and so that was the end of the fight and so when they got me over they went <coughs> so my nose had been properly like pointing over that way after it as well so the power of that man is just unbelievable and uh, hats off to him yeah I can't wait to see him in his next fight now because yeah. I, I think him I think he's mandatory for Canelo Canelo's flying around all the way he's winning lots of world championships but him and Canelo are on a, con- a, c- a collision clause. That'll yeah. be a good fight. That would be a great fight. Are you? What was the um, the respect like? Because I, I can imagine a guy like him that's like people are sort of dodging him pretty much left yeah. and right, and then you got a guy that comes up a weight division to fight him. Like, yeah. was there a respect after there between oh, you oh, boys? There was a respect. Um, yeah, yeah, there was. But from what he said back, like especially from his coach Ronnie Shields, uh, he had said to my team, he said, "Look, we." Um, you know, given Dennis's movement, we went off and we did sand work for a whole week to get the, the fast twitch fibers to be able to try and cut them off. Mm. And they did all this extra work. And uh, I think with the left hand, they brought that in especially because they knew how quick I was to avoid right hands. Mm. So they gave us a lot of respect there. But I will say that the respect that I got from the boxing world was incredible. I never expected that. I felt a little bit down because of that. I'm like, oh, geez, 2019. What a year, but the respect that I got, the fact that, and I didn't know this was a thing because my my mentality is you go out there and you give it everything. But the amount of people that said to me, and Stephen Espinosa from Showtime was like, Mm. Hogan, you came to fight, man. You came to fight. You know, and they were all delighted with that. And, and you're they, like, and yeah, still fucking, that's I'm, what I'm here for. Oh, oh, of course, who doesn't? And then you look back and you're like, a lot of people get in there to survive. Yeah. To, to get, get the paychecks. They don't want to get hurt by they it. They don't want the damage. They don't want the damage. And um, and that opened my eyes a lot. But So they, they certainly are giving me uh, um, uh, the, the title eliminator again and we're back on again. So if you look at all the last few years, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a massive... Um, it's been a massive journey. Like it, the boxing for me that I that I, I learn, I actually love. I, I truly do love. But to get to where you need to be mentally and physically, you have to keep going outside your your comfort yeah. zone. And who I've become as a person, I think right now if I was to walk away from boxing and, and what I've gained from getting trying to always get that mental edge, those little one percenters, how far I go to to execute and yeah. get the little one percenters has just made me you know a whole different person. And so. Um, I'm so grateful for boxing, for all the fans, for sponsors, for my team, for everything. And if I was to walk away now, uh, I would walk away very happy and grateful. But we're not going yet. Yeah. I will. I will. My goal was to be undisputed unified champion of the world, uh, and we're only essentially two fights from achieving all of that. You know, so well three fights: uh, an eliminator first, a belt, and then unify all the titles. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Like you're so right. One of the things that I think that. Uh, or I've kind of got my head around with like success, like being a successful person. Like you look at you and it's like, oh, you talk to Dennis, he's, he's this well-read guy, he's super deep, he's very intelligent about certain things, he's not just focuses on boxing, he's got all of the blah, 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 blah. He gets up and does his train, he'll train harder than any. All that is like when you see a belt around a person, you just expect that. Yeah. But it's like the reason he has the belt is because there was all of these challenges along the way Mm -hmm. and instead of turning your back or living in fear or not facing it or not achieving it or giving up right before you you know you finally did and then it's just this accumulation of of i guess phone calls from like that world champion and you answer those calls Mm -hmm. and then at the end of it people are like yeah he'd done that because he's this person and it's like no he's 
Mm. It's because he became this person that he got that. It's so rare that anybody that achieves anything on the level that you have was just born with all of the tools in the toolbox. And it was just like, oh, yeah. They open up a drawer, there's that size spanner, put it back in and there's no growth. Yeah. You never have to add any tools. It's like the people that get there, they've just fucking done the work to add the tools and it's not a fun job. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you know you hear a lot of successful people turn around and say, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah. The reason why they say that is because they were once like I was. I was once um, a person, say, I, I didn't... Uh, I was Irish champion, I boxed for Ireland and that, and I hit my little goals there, but I didn't even dare dream to go to the Olympics or the World Championships. I didn't I didn't even dream for it because I just felt it was so far away. Yeah. So that's where I was mentally. And so um, then I went pro because I always knew I, I'd be good at professional. And uh, my grandfather said it also, he said, you have a great chin, which has stood the test of time as well. I do have a great chin. But um, on top of that, um, you know, uh, um, um, the, the the day that I decided to be world champion, like really decided, I remember I'll never forget it because I can still see myself. Uh, it was the first place I lived in Australia. It was in Newstead, and I was there. And I remember I was drinking too much. I had a lot of negative uh, doubt going on. I had a lot of stuff going on, and I all of this stuff happened. And I just turned around. I just I just got fed up of it. My grandfather was just after dying. And his last words were to me on the phone before he died, before he well, before he lost consciousness, was give up that drink, son, and give this everything you've got. And at that point, I knew I was drinking too much as well. So after he died, um, it just hit me as a block one day. I remember just walking into the toilet one day, just looking at myself in the mirror, and I just went, I am the world champion, like, or I am going to be the world champion. And I just remember looking at myself going, I'm going to do whatever it takes now, right now. I think this was about, I think it was about July 2011. Yeah, and I just I'm gonna do whatever it takes now. And so, where were you in your life? Like, paint the picture of your life. Like, I, how literally how far away from world champion were you? Uh, okay, so on on the amateur scene, uh, yeah, okay, winning an Irish title and then boxing the Irish team and winning a multi nation gold medal, but that wouldn't really be looked at. So it's really it's really uh, the Olympics and the world championships and all that kind of stuff that gets the the big headlines. So. Look at that, no one really would have expected me to go on and do to do massive things in the pro game. So then anyway, I've got that going on. But after I, after I, I hit my goal of being Irish champion um, and getting some wins, I, I got a good win against the American champion and in Ireland versus America. And um, and I hit those goals, I felt good about them. But then I started to, I, I lost my way. I, I, I didn't have any goal to pursue anymore. It took me 10 years to win that world championship, or the Irish championship. 10 years. And so... Uh, that was something that was going on for me. I do believe I had a, I had a most inner dominating thought that was kind of self was I was self sabotaging yeah. a little bit. That's that subconscious talk, you know. But uh, when I finally did, what I ended up doing then was I had no more goal, and I ended up partying a lot and drinking a lot and um, whatever else comes with that. And did then, you feel like a sense of, uh, like you were drinking your own Kool Aid in a way, like when you were in that party state, or did it come out of? Like, did you feel... Because you know how you see, like, Tyson Fury got mm. everything that he wanted. Yeah. He'd sort of, like, reached his ceiling. Yes. And then there was nothing after that. I'm, gl- I'm you- glad that you said that, because up to a couple of years ago, I used to speak about Tyson Fury. I used to speak about McGregor uh, as as an indication of what happened to me on a, a much smaller on level a on my part. Level, yeah. Because... What happened to me was because uh, this is when I when I, I sometimes I get um, I do public speaking and I talk about goal setting. So for me, the number one thing was about goals and hitting having having a goal. When I did that, I lost my goal, and when I lost my goal, I lost my way. And it was only when I went to go professional 
um, um, it was only when I went to go professional that I set a new goal again hence what happened to me which I'll get back to in a second but I will say that I made my point by talking about how Tyson Fury wanted to beat Glitchko all his life and when he yeah. did that after that he had no more goals look what happened to him now he's publicly come out and spoken about the importance of goals yeah. so I'm so glad that anyone who's heard me speak uh, that's all been um, you know it's like all come out now yeah. it's all been vindicated but I also spoke about McGregor as well looking to be the two time world champion and fight uh, Mayweather and be on, be on the Forbes wrist list he did that then he seemed like he went lost his way for a while and now he seems like he's coming back again so goals is a huge one setting a goal so and then I think what's important to say there though is that the goal is a sliding scale though mm. because your goal was to be the Irish champion yeah. McGregor's was to be the world champion yeah. Tyson Fury's was to be Klitschko so it's like I think that the the thing that stops you setting high goals though is that self-doubt and the insecurity around that doubt it was. so everybody has that same level of like insecurity around the doubt yeah. that they are experiencing yeah. so like you can be experiencing that on the level of like I don't want to oh, I'm too scared to go to university or like it's where you set your, your ceiling for yourself yeah. you know like what what do you think your maximum capability is and it's like yeah. at that time you were pr limiting yourself yes. to the Irish champion mm. you know and fuck I've experienced quite a lot of that self-doubt as well in my life and it's mm. like that is the thing that will you know stop you reaching high or setting like a high ceiling mm. and then it sets low goals and then once you achieve those low goals then you don't really have a lot of purpose after that. Yeah, I mean, so can I just say that uh, one of my mentors, uh, Mitch, from MJB Seminars, um, you know, he, he speaks a lot about this, but uh, before I met Mitch, um, Paul Keegan, who's part of DDP, uh, with Danny Dimas and all that as well, these guys have, um, they sp start sponsoring me from the start and uh, helped me with money from an early age, uh, an early stage of my career and that. But Paul used to say, if, you if your goals don't scare you, they're not big enough. Mm. And it was through him saying that that I decided I wouldn't just be world champion, I'd be unified world mm. champion. But, but go, I mean, if I go back to that day, uh, if I go back to that day, and it is very specific, when I go back to that day and I looked in the mirror and said that, where was I and what was I thinking? Up to that very point, I was thinking, if I got a good few wins under my belt and I fought for a continental title, uh, that would be uh, unbelievable. I felt like, you know, uh, I would be a success. Um, and, I'd be, and, I'd be, and I'll also talk that back then Ireland was going through a recession. And I used to, um, when I used to fight my mom and people would say, oh, we're all rooting for you. And, you know, when there's a bit of negativity going on in, in, in a country that has bad economics going on, that some, when my fights come up, apparently it used to rise the, the vibe from a couple of people. Yeah. They all used to go to the pub to watch it. And, and, and I used to feel like that was brightening. I used to feel like I was kind of giving back then. And then I yeah. felt if I was to come home with an Australian title or, a continental title and do that and come back to my people and, and have that I would have felt like that was a major success and it was only after my grandfather um, um, died so he so I had two fights for two wins two knockouts and then um, and then I was uh, my third one was locked in for somewhere around July and uh, I remember being on the phone but back then I was still drinking a lot because again I was I knew that I, I felt like my career would have been limited to a certain world champion certainly not you know I didn't I wasn't a person who said that for no reason mm. oh I want to be world champion I, didn't, I never said it for no reason because you didn't believe it no 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 because you know, I, that wasn't what I used to do I never said I'll be at the Olympics one day or I'll be at the world champion in, in, in amateurs I never said that what I said would, would happen but I didn't say it so um, 
because I didn't believe it. So um, um, so then anyway, uh, I was there and my grandfather was on the phone. My ma- he, he was there and he, after he realized, he recognized by my voice I was drinking. And this was on a, on, uh. on, on a, on a weeknight. And he, he just, you know, he because he's my biggest fan, like, uh, you know, and so he turned around, he said to me on the phone, he goes, give up that drink, son, and give this everything you've got. And, w- and when he gave the phone back to my mom, I remember saying, like, what was he saying that for? Like, uh, what's going on here? Like, it, I sort of was a little bit angry, resentful. And then, and then a little while afterwards, he fell sick. And then so uh, we were all told, okay, family needs to come back. He's about to die. We went back. He didn't die. But when I was back, I was partying a lot. I kept drinking and all that, not dealing with emotions very well. I had, I had started to use alcohol uh, for self-medication also. As not only was my, was my thoughts, I believe, very negative, I also had a, a bit of anxiety as well. So anytime anything would come up at all, I used to self-medicate with alcohol. What sort of stuff was giving you anxiety? And like, what, how did you like, not how did you deal with it, but what was like the physical implications of it? Well, I mean, anxiety started for me um, back when I was... I, I always had many faces of anxiety, but panic attacks started for me when I was 15 years of age. Yeah. And I had my first real, like, full-on panic attack. And um, I did not know what was happening. I thought I was going mad. And, what, uh, so what was the experience like? Like, was, what do you remember, like, what happened, how it happened? How yeah, it we up? were at a party one night, and, um, and, uh, and uh, I was taking... Um, well, we were partying, let's just say. Yeah. And uh, I was doing, you know, I was doing stuff I probably shouldn't have been doing. And um, come the end of the morning, the next morning, um, I just felt a, a lot of pressure. Um, I started to feel very uncomfortable. And then, yeah. well, really, really what was going on was uh, anxiety had built. There was a lot of stress. There was a lot of stress. And and uh, your body starts to feel like it can't contain it anymore so then what it does it breaks into fight or flight yeah it breaks into a, a, a panic attack where it then gets to release the energy okay so what was happening for me then was i started to think that something i had something i had ingested probably was about to kill me mm-hmm. um and i put my hand on my heart it was pu- as a panic attack produces massive heart rate and like I and then thought I was having a heart attack and then from that moment now I wasn't and I went and I walked it off but my head was never right for that for a few years I started to suffer with anxiety and panic attacks and even my own friends wouldn't have even known they, they, a couple of my friends were there that night but they didn't know then that I then lived with anxiety and panic attacks from that moment onwards because I didn't want to go and talk to anybody I didn't want to tell anyone what, I, what had happened what I'd been doing and um, and so from that moment onwards, then I start. I I I've always had that to deal with, but it, in essence now it's made me a master of my own. It's crazy, you huh? know. I can see the the benefit of it now. So why do you reckon that it took that experience to have? Because this is something that like when people talk about uh, the way that certain substances and that can like induce those kind of states. Um, I, I'm like, man, it was already there. Mm. I think I, I'm like, it's not the thing that you took or yeah. the the whatever. It's like that thing was like living inside you for like a long time. Yes. But it's not visible. Like the insecurities that I think cause anxiety and shit like that, they live in like fucking dark corners of your mind that like you don't get to explore that often or your brain's got really fucking good at hiding them away so that you can live a life mm. but that life isn't the best life that you could potentially live it's yep. this fucking weird version of your life and it's not until you can start finding where those little fuckers are hiding in your mind 
and dealing with them that you actually do progress. So it kind of makes sense what you're saying with that. Well, oh, well, I'll just tell you that um, up to that point, I had never that was a psychedelic. Now, uh, I'm I'm pro psychedelics because of what they do. And here's here's the hidden here's the hidden gem in all of this. Before that, I used to take a lot of recreational stuff. Okay, now that that stuff is I I have no interest in any recreational stuff. You know, like they talk about, you know, ecstasy, cocaine, and all that. Because all that does is just ups, ups, just the ups all the serotonin yeah. and all that. And all of a sudden, when it's over, you're burnt out. Yeah, and, bad. And I was badly burnt out of that stuff for a long time. I think that that might have mightn't have helped either. But, um, but what happened to me was I was living a life where I believe I was like all my fr- like we all would have done that. But there was something. There's something very. Um, uh, ad- addictive about my personality, and it's yeah, uh, you I know can, it's very. <laughs> you can see that. No, no, I can. I oh, can you like, can. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can resonate. I can relate. And um, and so I feel like the peace of mind I got when I took anything like that, that I that I wanted that so much that I felt like that was the main thing on my mind, and it wasn't until I took a psychedelic that showed me that night that showed me I think yeah. that your life is going down bad here if you don't cut. so I'll just tell you and this I'm being brutally honest I, I've never spoke about this before publicly but I had gone so skinny from taking um, uh, ecstasy tablets and stuff and my eyes had gone black around and my face had gone skinny that my friends uh, some of them used to say here comes death like my face was starting to look like that and believe it or not, that situation actually saved my life because then now I, I would, even even at the thought of doing something, it would then induce uh, fight or flight, which is a panic attack. Yeah. And um, and I, I mean, there was, there was times I was driving my motorbike. I had just bought a motorbike two days before that that panic attack happened, which actually worked out quite well. <laughs> that I now had a bit of freedom uh, rather than... But anyway, I remember times where the panic attacks got so bad and crippling that I had to get off the motorbike Parking on the side of the road and sit in the ditch. Fuck. Yeah, it was crippling. And you're a fucking on the way to being a world champion. Yeah, right now yeah. Boxing. Yeah, but that was that was at the age of 15, 16 years of age. Just got the motorbike, and uh, that was what well, happened at 15, and it started happening then. But I mean, in essence, here's the positive. The, you're a better dude. The panic know. attacks sent me. If I if I don't live a healthy lifestyle. I'll start feeling anxiety. So now I'm my body. Now I'm that in tune with my body. It tells me, it tells me. What I'm, I I feel a little bit anxious two days before I get a little bit sick. My body tells me all the time what's right and what's wrong by a little bit of anxiety. And and uh, and um, I it used to be like it came and came. Anytime I do anything that you know that wouldn't wouldn't serve me, I would get more anxious. So it sort of keeps me on the straight and narrow all the time. Um, now, one of the, obviously um, psychedelics um, has been very, very beneficial for me in that, and that doesn't stir that up because it's plant medicine, really, isn't it? Yeah. And so, uh, well, for the majority of it, I mean, they do well for ninety nine percent of human history. It's only been considered one of the most beneficial spiritual, religious, medical things that you could do. It's only till the sixties that this has changed. Yeah, and I, I mean. There's probably plenty of reasons why they wouldn't want people, yeah. you know, going inward Being and becoming <laughs> becoming fluent with, with who they are and what they want and figuring out their emotions and who they are and being able to read the way through through the world without needing a load a whole lot of pills from from pharmacies and, and shit, yeah. buying shit, yeah, consumerism as well, yeah. and and so I mean that that then led me on another journey. Um, finding out about plant medicines and seeing what was going on and I know we spoke about it before and uh, I find it very very interesting and that's also been a part of my journey too 
Yeah, there's something. Um, it's funny. So, like, we'll backtrack a bit before we get into that. I was talking to a friend of mine, super successful motherfucker, like full badass, and I wouldn't say his name, but he had a uh, like a DMT experience where he's like, "Oh, I did it," and he parties hard, like well he used to. So he used to party real fucking hard, and then he had his first psychedelic experience was with DMT, and he just wasn't in a room with people that were. It wasn't the right environment to be doing DMT for the first time and not knowing what to expect, why, like any of it, right? So he mixes it, smokes it, and just has a fucking horrendous trip, like just a full nightmare experience, like the full like thought he was going to die, like these, the classic, oh, it was the worst experience of my life. Guess what it did? Never fucking partied again. Never, yeah, yeah, mm. And I said to him, I was like, dude, you needed it. Mm. Like, you needed, like, I can do, like, I haven't done DMT yet, but I've done a lot of mushrooms. And I can do mushrooms and, like, welcome that feeling of anxiety. And, like, yeah. I'll talk more about that first experience that mm. I was saying before. But, like, it's, like, it's not a comfortable, like, happy-go-lucky. Like, it's not, like, a couple beers with your mates. But it's, like, it's going to show you some shit that you need to do because... Mm it creates it's almost like a gnarly psychedelic trip creates so much uh well you feel like you're gonna die at times and you feel like it's gonna last forever and you feel like it's gonna feel like this forever but then it makes it like forces you to think about all of the things that aren't right in your life that Mm. you kind of wish you could change before you died Mm. it all just floods over you Mm. and i mean my experience with the mushrooms the first time i took mushrooms was i was in um I was in like that, the, uh, a bar sort of setting. We'd kind of planned to go to the beach. It didn't really happen. So we kind of got stuck in this bar. I was with a bunch of strangers and I went from feeling like euphoric and happy when I was with my friends in like the small sort of setting to just like crazy. Oh, don't even, it probably was anxiety, but it was more to me. I was just like, I'm so uncomfortable. Like mm. I want this to stop. Mm. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be with these people anymore. It was fucking the most intense feeling of that. But I just the logical part of my brain that was still still like me and fucking in control was going like, dude, you're on mushrooms. Just fucking mm. sit down and just deal with it. Like this is the shit you got to go through. Because yeah. I think it's the same with weed. Is when weed is kind of get you to that point where it's a psychedelic basically yeah like for me i know that you're not into it but for me when i smoke like like a lot of weed i get that same kind of feeling all the anxieties build up all of that shit and i've got to fucking buckle down the hatches and like mentally process what i'm feeling about myself yeah but so i did that with these with these mushrooms and i'm in i'm in that state and like kind of really fighting it and then I had that realization that I spoke about earlier that one of my like, if people talk to me, they're like, oh, you're super outgoing, extroverted, like you love talking and obviously I fucking have a podcast, but it's like, I don't necessarily identify with that dude and that version of me is the one that I'm ashamed of and I've got a lot of, uh, I think that there's a lot of ego in that person and it's almost like that's a separate, that extroverted me is like, one separate version and then that's a version that I've got a lot of shame about kind of being that person yeah and then that's layered isn't it I mean it's so I, crazy. I just wanted to say like 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 what you're saying it's like okay so your perception of what you thought people were 
was actually the person you felt like you, you felt like you needed to be but then mm. but then by acting like that it gave you guilt and shame yeah so it's just because I felt like yeah. I felt like I I have charisma like I'm a charismatic person I'm good at conversations I like to tell stories that same the same thing we said about Andrew how he's a great storyteller yep. I have a little bit of that and it's like then when people know you they expect that mm. so my thing that I, and I never knew any of this I, and like I said before I couldn't have explained this until I did mushrooms that I felt a pressure and a responsibility that that was me like that's I was identified with by other people as that person and if I wasn't that person then people would go what's wrong man what's up Were you yeah. all good? are you all good and then I'm like fuck am I all good yeah uh, and then and then you start to question the version of you that wants to be alone and wants to be isolated and wants to be by yourself mm. and then you start associating that person as being a negative person mm. and then this person that you don't really like being that much as uh, the right person to be but then you feel guilty about mm. being that person so I was just fucking out of whack the, mm. the wasn't in center or in line at all the way I feel, felt about myself the way that I acted, the two versions of me were very conflicted. And then that person that uh, people expected me to be was way over here. So let me ask you, how did you find a balance in that? And what did you do actively? And now is it all sorted? Now, I just think that it's one of those things where it's like, it's probably never going to be all the way sorted. Mm -hmm. But I feel so much more comfortable locking myself in there and being by myself. I don't have to talk to anyone. I don't feel as much pressure. Like I was even the kind of guy, actually that book too, there's a lot in that book about that. I, I was a bit of a yes man to people yep. because I felt that pressure and I felt that guilt to like be a certain person. Yep. Oh, we're going out tonight, Jace, come and have a beer. Oh yeah, fuck it, all right. And then you put your mask on and then you go out and then you be that guy and you're telling stories and you're fucking carrying on. And then you come home and then you're kind of ashamed that fuck you were just that dickhead that you don't really like that much. Yeah. So, but now I just think like I sort of was saying before even it's like I think just the fact that I'm aware of it mm. it's like that was a thing that was causing me anxiety in my life and, and unrest with myself and making me feel out of whack but just knowing it and accepting it and I got shown that with this mushroom trip I got shown that person I got shown all of those facts and then I was like fuck it's, that's not that bad mm. that's not that bit that's not that bad of but a it's problem but it's just we're shining the light on it exactly. and acknowledging it now now lets you know that you've got power over that now now yeah. that's no longer controlling you you can control this however you want to which then frees you up completely yeah and you then know? now like even with this podcast like I say dumb shit on here every fucking episode that I wish I didn't say yeah. but it's like I force myself to put it out I yeah. force myself not to edit it and it just feels like I have an easier like manual override switch when it comes to feeling those those shitty feelings that I don't like. I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. Whatever. Yeah. And then it sort of circles back to that future self stuff that we we're even talking about. Kind of has helped me act like the person I want to be. Yeah. Like I want to be like every morning I get up, I read for an hour. That's just me. Yeah. Like I want to be that dude. Yeah. And I'm so fine with telling everybody to like, hey, I'm reading like all good uh, if you know someone wants my attention or that I'm like nah this is like that's my thing and it's just like I don't know it's almost like made me feel okay about it and to think too like a lot of the times the things that we're really insecure about 
it's just like projections of what you think other people think of you. Ah, I was talking about this at the weekend to a guy. I said, "Do you know who? Do you know who you, you who you are?" And he said, "Who?" I said, "You are right now who you think I think you are." Yeah. And we just had a little bit of a conversation about that, and I think that that is regardless of where you. If, I, if I'm sitting here with you, I I know that you've invited me here, so I sort of feel welcome, and I sort of feel, you know, a little bit empowered to speak and talk about my yeah. story. Yeah. If I walk in somewhere over there where a guy's calling me in because I've done some, I've par- I've crashed into his car outside, I now think. I'm the guy who can't drive, and I, you know, you, you change your identity based on each person that you're around. Do you find that? Yeah. Do you feel like that's? Well, I think too that um, something I've been speaking a little bit about lately that I think that we're just all we are is the reflections. Like you're a reflection of me. Like the way, and the reason that I say this is, I did a, a podcast with Greg Rust. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a He's like a commentator for like Bathurst and all like the big car racing events and all the big motorsport stuff. Yeah. And I, there's like a, there's a tone, there's like a thing I can hear in my voice when I'm like happy with myself. Yeah. And it's like with him, it just was there. And then I'm looking, I'm like, that's just a reflect, like for whatever reason, like the reflection that I was getting back from him of myself was like that's the version of myself that I kind of wanted to be. Yeah. So I think that what happens in life is that you kind of go through and all of the interactions you have with all of these people, they'll stir up certain emotions from you, whether it's, you know, your mum complaining about something, you'll be like, oh, you get like that feeling, but that's a feeling that's kind of lives within you. It's not necessarily got anything to do with her. Yeah. It's like you're the feeling that, that you're getting that reflection mm. back. Yeah. And then I think that that's a way, that's kind of a reason why, we look to people like, you know, President Obama or something like that. It's like people that are so far on that level where like everybody in the world knows about that person. Like they've got more reflections of who they are coming back yeah. at them than like anybody else. Yeah. Than if you're a hermit. Never thought of that, eh? Yeah, it's something yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about lately because of, well, because of this. Like yeah. more people know about me than ever before. And it's a fucking weird thing. Mm. And it's the same as you. You've met so many people and they give you this reflection of like who you are in the world versus who you are internally. And it's like, you kind of, you kind of get more data to process. You've got more information and then you can sort of, you can either like let that, I think you can let that go a number of ways in terms of how you use that energy. Like, do you become a person that's like drinking the Kool-Aid and like going off the rails and thinking you're fucking better than you really are? Or are you using that for like really positive introspective reasons that kind of does what it's done for you, like pushes you forward to be like a really good version of yourself. Like the 20 minutes where we were talking before this, I'm like, fuck, Dennis has like processes in place in his life that have like allowed him to think and feel and act a certain way. Like I, I agree with everything that you said and I was like, oh, that makes so much sense, but you've done the work to like seek out those principles and then done the harder work of living by those principles yeah yeah and and uh, that's the thing with with psychedelics too what it what it shows you you must go and do the work and you must uh you must live by that and it's the same with the personal development that i do and that's um the personal development that i've done is i've spent so many hours and a lot of money in terms of everything uh um and it's like you know well it's all a waste if you don't go live that stuff but i was just so ready for change you know i and um you know i i i have i have three main mentors right now 
uh, that I go to for stuff. And um, I mean, the first main one was uh, uh, Mitch from MJB Seminars, who we went and we did that. And as I told you about before, we did something called the Quantum Collapse Process by Dr. D. Martini. And then that was on a paper form, and then Mitch developed it into a face-to-face. And uh, that had such a profound effect on me. So we were all we're all running around with the most inner dominating thought, and um, and what that most inner dominating thought is actually uh, manifesting our our reality, not not just through the law of attraction, but well, how we feel about ourselves, our, reti- our reticular activating system, is is putting that out there. So everything that comes back to us is a vision of how we're feeling about ourselves. Yeah. And but not just that as well, the actions that we take and everything that goes on. Like I've seen for myself, it took me ten years to become the the Irish champion. This is this is crazy. One of the one of the years, uh, I had already beaten the favorite in the in the quarterfinals. I was coming in the box, the guy in the semifinals. Now I was now the favorite, and one of my friends shows up, says my brother's got a bit of hash, which is kind of like weed, in his apartment. Let you do you want to go smoke some? Okay, let's go. Before I knew, we got back there, we smoked it, and then we couldn't find our way back. He's dad had to pick us up, bring us back. I was back just in time to get ready for this fight, and then I lose by a couple of points. So. Th- if that's not self-sabotage, I don't mm. know what is. And and I found that in, in throughout my life, I self-sabotage quite a lot. Like, um, that's what got me in, in terms of all this stuff. Like, say, say for example, uh, the fight that I went to Germany for my first World Health fight. Um, we'd gone over there, okay, and we was ready to go. I was boxing out of my skin. And next thing, the fight got postponed uh, about, I think, six days out or so. Uh, or maybe it was eight days out. And so we were, we came back to Australia and Jeff was getting ready for his fight against mm. a European champion and I start sparring with Jeff right back into 10 round spars and uh, I kept training and training and training within 5 weeks of going back to Germany I had hit this crazy wall of fatigue it's nobody's fault but my own but I should have pulled up eh? like I, what mm. was going on there that I did that now we went to, we went to uh, were, you, were you like fearful of like because it's like you can kind of use that kind of like just knuckle down blinders on train train to like yeah. you know obviously like block out some kind of thing that you were feeling about you know because i think people are sometimes scared I, of their I like potential where you're going with this, people yeah. are scared mm. of their potential mm. i think yeah and it's like that's one of the things that like i probably i've struggled with the fact that i felt like i've been talented at so many things and i've done well at so many things but i've never taken anything all the way it's like i only ever took something as far as to where uh, people would, when I chose to stop on my own accord, people still had enough enough faith in my potential that they're like, he could have really done that if he tried. But ah. then you get to like a tipping point, which is where you are, where it's like people know right now you could be the world champion. Like you could be, you, right now, you could yeah. be, the, you, that potential exists. Yeah. And now that sets up a scary fucking proposition in your own heart and mind where it's like, what if I don't? What if I, you know? And I think that that's sometimes where that self-sabotage stuff comes in is like everybody's got a little bit of that. But it's like you've said, you've now detached from that feeling. From the need. From the need. Mm. And then it's like, and then it just lets you kind of, just lets you live. Just lets me live. And one of the things that I realized too is I enjoy the process. So I'm winning. I'm winning regardless of whether I'm winning or losing. Mm. And, and And I think that everything that happened after the last one, what I was just speaking to you about what happened in Germany happened again to another degree for this one. Mm. Um, we had to go over for, for, for a press conference. If I had to fly to New York seven days out 
from a middleweight world championship Fuck fight. that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I tried to say no, but uh, now... Couldn't you have just stayed? Um, well, there was something on the agreement saying if you don't uh, um, complete your media obligations, you could forfeit a third of your... Oh, but what about staying in New York for the whole seven days? Not coming At that point, home? it wasn't going to work. It all happened too quick. It was uh, like, oh, you need to go. And then and then so I followed I a little bit. I was trying to say, can you get? Can you do anything? And they said, but listen, it didn't work. And we, I ended up going, but I got myself to a mindset of... It doesn't matter what comes. I can do it. Even I did try to not go, but then after I was like, I'm going to win this anyway. This is my... I know World Championship is my destiny. I know it is. Because um, I see it so much and I feel it so much and I don't believe something can come in to your mind and feel it that, that, that deeply, well. Yeah. Without, without And it's already shown up in terms of uh, uh, discipline, determination, skill. Everything is, everything is there right, that I need. I just need to even more now, more so tune into the frequency. So that's law of conservation. Anything, anything, uh, uh, law of conservation, which is energy. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. So yeah. if you can bring it up and you can tune into the frequency, everything is already around you, believe it or not. So, and if it's not, it's not far away. So if you just tune into any frequency, you can get anything you want. And I live by that and I truly know it and believe it. But I did learn so much. Like after the Germany loss, I learned so much. After and after the Charlo loss, man, I thought I'd learned everything there was to learn. I had seven key elements that I that I've now that I've learned that make me a much better fighter. And when I'm I'm finished fighting, it's going to make me an unbelievable coach as well. Because I I just I, I, on top of my boxing career. I'm looking forward to being a coach because there's no situation that I haven't been in, yeah. and I know that I I just feel I've I've become good at communicating with people also. Well, um, I think too, like you're not any. Uh, I think the reason you're good at communicating with people is because you're very open and honest about your own experiences and your own, you know, to talk about panic attacks and the insecurity. Like that's a very very confident person and mm-hmm. a person that's very uh, it's very believable when you can go like fuck like you can't really make this shit up you can't fake these kind of uh that you can't fake that kind of honesty and i think that any good coach or leader or anybody that had like i guess people can like look up to in a way it's sort of they all have that quality yeah. i think yeah yeah you gotta more than you, a gotta, you gotta thing. believe it like you gotta you gotta genuinity is one of the things these days someone's being genuine and someone that opens up about these types of things kind of shows that a little bit more. But my, my space in my circle right now is just very, it's just about the, it's just people like that. And um, and that's what I need right now as well. I also need that. Like you hear, um, big podcast was Conor McGregor talking to uh, Tony, Tony Robbins. Robbins. Yeah. But mate, like I somehow feel connected to him in some way because a lot of stuff that he goes through, I've gone through too. Like he's talking, he was talking about uh, communication in his team. And that was something that this last um, fight has brought up a lot where my strength coach and and my boxing coach are now in communication every day. And that was something Uh, that I knew. And McGregor said, like, stuff that you already know you should be doing, but you're not. And so, because at that point, you sort of feel like, right, well, I'm doing so much already. And your intuition is telling you something else, but you're like, I don't even have time for that. And then when you go along and you have a loss, and but... 
it's not just the loss like that. It was actually what happened in camp. I'm not even going to talk about the loss because Charlo's a machine. I'm not making any excuses. But for the camp to roll out like it did and for me to get a hip injury like uh, tw- 12 days out from the fight and um, and with the other injuries that I was carrying as well and then the little bit of fatigue that I was getting as well, um, it's sort of like a, it's, it's an eye-opener. And so um, some of the things that, that I knew that I should have been doing I wasn't really like some of those things that I should have pulled back on. I should have communicated with my coaches and said, right, I feel like my legs are feeling worse than they've ever felt. Maybe we need to pull it back a little bit yeah. to freshen up better. Uh, but uh, And then there's all of that. But I don't know if it's ego or whether it's the positive that's got me to where I am today. But I just went, I can overcome this. Mm. This, this adversary will lead to my success. Mm. That's what I thought. And now I'm sitting back after it, sitting there like going... Okay, now I need to just bring everything up. So now we're we've now decided to stay in a loop mm. of communication every day. I now wear um, a heart rate monitor which shows how much I'm in the red because I train for two and a half hours boxing every day. Most guys can get in and get the work done within an hour. So I do a lot of work. I've got a massive ticker and determination. And uh, and so that can be my downfall sometimes mm. where you've got other guys who can sort of be lazy but it works out for them. Yeah. Because then they're not... Oh, cause they're not I, tired. Yeah, Michael Carruth who won a gold medal at the Olympics in Barcelona in 1992. His dad, Austin Carruth, brought me onto the Irish boxing team one day. I'll never forget it but Austin was a, was a beautiful man and uh, he told me one day he said you're better off to be underdone than overdone mm. and I didn't really understand that back then because it was amateur it was three rounds but now it, it's ringing in my head so um, what was that experience like like when he brought you in so what was that to like spa the- well, so what happened was the Irish uh, squad team was going training was going on every Saturday you'd have Katie Taylor there you'd have um, Eric uh, uh, Ross Hickey from my club you'd have Eric Donovan you'd have uh, some Joyce's in there you'd have like the cream of the crop would be in there for spars, you know. What's the the Joyce's thing? Andrew was telling me. I think I'm the king of the Joyce's. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the, the king of the travelers. Yeah, yeah but yeah. The, his son. Um, uh, Big Davey who I've known I've actually done some rounds with. I used to like heavyweights I used to spar with the heavyweights Fuck. I've sparred with Sean Turner Niall Kennedy uh, all those heavyweights uh, that are out there now so uh, Jimmy Sweeney um, I used to spar with those boys because I was like heavyweight but uh, I sparred with Joe one day just for a few, just a round and a half I think it was uh, and then he changed over for a round and a half you get three rounds done and so um, I was chatting to him, a, a nice guy, but uh, he was the guy that done a video to do the fight book, yeah, 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 fight videos. Yeah. And they, they love to slag each other. The slagging is, is hilarious. But he just calls this guy a shite in the bucket. You know? <laughs> You're a shit. From now on, we call you shite in the bucket. So, um, but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, and clearly can imitate these guys oh. absolutely perfectly. Yeah, it's, he, was, it's he had me in stitches the other night. Yeah, it's brilliant. But um, yeah, so you're in the. He brings you into the the gym. So so anyway, I come in. I was meant to. So there's a guy that I'd boxed in the in the Irish Championships called Sean Chevlin. He was up there training, and I just come back from Australia. I'd done a year of backpacking, and I needed some spars. And um, and so we organised having a spar with Sean. So we'll come up Saturday. So I got in anyway, and Sean wasn't there, but some other guy was. Some guy Terry O'Neill, who had just won a, a, an international medal, a gold medal abroad. And I got in a spar with him, and I actually had a really, really good spar. I think that guy Terry is an actor now in Dublin, but um, he is, he's acting. And uh, and so anyway, I had a great spar with him, and uh, Austin comes down to me, mate. It was, I just couldn't believe the words he said. He came up to me and he said, um, he said, that's great work, Dennis. I want you to go up now, get measured for an Irish tracksuit, and get your passport validated, because you just made the Irish team. Wow. I was like, wow. 
That's crazy. Wow. I know. And I was only going up that day to get a spar. Like, hope I asked, could I get a spar that day? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I'm on the Irish team. I've got my trackie. And and uh, and then from that point onwards, then I was getting Irish internationals boxed in, boxed over in Spain, boxed uh, lots of different places, multi-nations gold medal over in Israel. And uh, boxed my last my last fight, I got a win against the Ukrainian champion. Yeah, right. Uh, a Lithuanian or Ukrainian. But I'd beaten both either way in some way or another. But... Uh, uh, but I just tell you a funny one. Uh, I, I was boxing at a, at, a, at a junior, intermediate level, and then um, uh, then they asked me, "Do you want to box senior against uh, uh, in an international?" My first senior, like elite boxing for Ireland. I was like, "Yeah, let's do it. Brilliant. Okay, uh, it's against Russia." <laughs> I said, "Okay, yeah, yeah, no worries." So I was like, "Okay, just that was great. How I got the call up there, very good." Yeah. So I got up anyway, and I got in against this guy. Right, you know, beforehand, there's a little bit of eyeballing going on and on. This guy was over in the corner like this, right? <laughs> he walks to the center of the ring, barely looking at me, just does this, and I could just feel in his hands. I was like, has he got rocks in those gloves? He walked back, and next thing we start boxing now. He was no better than I was, but my eye was out to here, my teeth were loose, all under here was cut, all my jaws were swollen, and um, and at the at just before the end of the fight, the referee stopped it because this had gone, this had, this lump had gone out too high, and I was concussed. And at the even when the referee stopped the fight, like I was still, and uh, I'll never forget, um, I'll never forget the feeling of my first time being concussed, because the next day I went out for a few beers or everyone. I ended up back in 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 a in a in a party. With, wasn't even my friends weren't even there. It was my was uh, uh, relations of my friends. Really? And yeah, and I was like, how did I even end up back here? I can't even remember the night or nothing. Apparently, apparently I was pretty drunk, but I was concussed. But <laughs> yeah. uh, but that'll just tell you. And so that was my first step up into senior international uh, uh, against a Russian guy. And 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 I just thought I remember Russians are no fucking joke, bro. Mate, they are no joke. They they can really punch. And and but uh, and and I just you know they're just the fucking hard people. Hard people. The chicks are gnarly. Yeah. The fucking dudes are gnarly. Yeah. They're fucking gnarly. Yeah, they are, and they're strong. Whatever's in their genes, man. I just felt like I. I, I said after I said I wonder what what was in his what was he eating because those shots didn't feel normal I, I hadn't I still never felt that heavy handedness again really I felt the knockout power from Charlo the knockdown power that fast which which it but butts your head yeah. across it hits your brain but I never I still haven't felt that just heavy handedness just crushing into your bone and your skin it was like <laughs> and my and my tooth was loose like so. really yeah yeah how does that fuck with your head halfway through a fight and you know your teeth are out. <laughs> no, I didn't really realise that laughter, but I knew that all under here was all crushed. Uh, it was all crushed. It was all just flesh flowing around in there. But um, but uh, do you have a lot of scarring on the inside of your mouth? I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, because I got heaps of fucking like big lumps inside my mouth from like fights at school. Yeah, and I used to have braces, so like all inside my gums when I got fucking punched, all the it just like fucked up all inside the mm. on my lips. Yeah. And now, like, even it was literally just before actually the first time I'd done it in ages, but I can like bite sometimes, and that fucking scar tissue, like the big lumps of flesh on the inside, just I fucking mm. bite them and they get worse. Yeah. I wondered if all like if that's like a common boxing thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now that you say it, there's a couple at the bottom here where, where but the gum shield goes across the top, yeah. so you're, you're okay from there. Because I've had it's fights a, with a little like, sharp teeth down here, yeah. Like, I got big ones under there because my teeth have gone through my fucking lip from like being punched actually have gone yeah 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 not yeah. all the way oh, through no, but you know what I mean like yeah. big yeah so yeah. I wondered but yeah it makes sense because like in a 
it's like street fights you don't have fucking gum shields on so you're just getting cut up everywhere I mean that's the thing like if I'm up, if I'm up there boxing and um, someone do, someone doesn't bring their gum shields uh, or what they call them mouth protectors here I don't want to spare them at all and I don't want to get in there and do that not now not when you see how much work yeah. it takes to fix teeth and everything else just I'm like, the same with my yeah, mouth yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm like fuck no yeah yeah just, just uh, mouth protector always but um, yeah yeah so that was that um that must have been a crazy feeling to get onto the Irish boxing team because Ireland is such a proud boxing nation, even though... Has there been too many world boxing champions from Ireland? Like, has there been a lot of them in the past? Yeah, there's or? been a lot, yeah. I mean, you've got... Um, because you've got, it's you've a got, proud nation, A very boxing. proud boxing. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the thing. Like, a lot of people be like, you know, you could go back to Ireland now because in Ireland, people notice me everywhere. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Like, you oh, huge yeah, in Ireland. Yeah, like, I, and I always... there's only 12 of you. <laughs> 12 of me, Paddy Mick, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, uh, and so, if, like, I mean, in terms, if, if, if fame was, was a big thing for me, that's where I, that's where I'd want to be. Yeah. But I have to say, I do enjoy the the um, still the fact that um, I I can go for a walk with people and some people say hello and whatever else. The odd person shout out the car, which I always find fun, funny. But um, but yeah, generally other than that, we can I can have family time and uh, mm. we can just be us. And do you reckon it'd be a lot different if you're in Ireland? Um, I still think I get to do what I needed to do and get around quite well, but I just would. F- I just would. I just feel like I'd feel more eyes on me. Um, yeah, I, do. I have been in places like it's it's the funniest thing where you're getting your hair cut or you're just getting something to eat somewhere, yeah. and you just see someone pull out the phone and you see them doing this and looking up at you and then you just going like this and then doing that to the person that's beside them and looking looking at yeah. and then they look at you and then they look back and you you know that they've gone. Yeah. Is it him? It looks like him. It's either fucking Dennis, Conor McGregor, or Andrew Cleary. <laughs> Oh, you fuckers do look insane. Yeah, I'm, I'm my mate Johnny Webb, he looks the same as me now as well. We are all the red beards, mate. We, uh, but I'd like to say, I'll put it out here, I had that beard before McGregor <laughs> famously sported it. Me and my cousin, my cousin, um, I had got a neck injury in 2012 and, um, and uh, I, he, he was growing his hair long. He had gone a bit long. He was due a haircut. And I said, we said something that if he keeps growing his hair, I'll grow out the beard. And we had a contest which would go the longest. And that's how it started. And then before I know it then, I think McGregor's trend started. Everybody growing beards. And, yeah. Uh, but uh, Fucking mad what he did for mm. Ireland, dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's fucking crazy the yeah. effect he had on Ireland. It seems like you can't be... I mean, it's probably like a shit thing in a way. Like, you almost can't be Irish and not talk about Conor McGregor. Mm. It's like just a, this fucking big of an island. Yeah. And it's just like produced one of the most famous people on the planet. Notorious. <laughs> it's crazy, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, but I know. The, the thing with Irish Pete, like, he's a real good representative of like, like me and Cleary hang out. I'm fucking hanging out with the same, you know, that's like, a, he's a Conor McGregor sort he, of style of Sometimes guy. I walk Hanging away. out with you. Yeah. You're a Conor, you know, there's an Irish energy mm. that he fucking embodies. Mm. And it's like, I'm glad that for a, a megastar to come out of Ireland, he really represents the spirit and the, the, the humour and the culture mm. of Irish people because, like, I feel like I, I know him through knowing you yeah. and clear, you know what I mean? There's, a, there's an embodiment mm. of the Irish spirit it's like that he's he's bought that spirit onto a real global scale yeah and um, and people enjoy it which actually says a lot about our people and I, I really appreciate you saying that too but um i mean it just i i never realized how 
how I like Irish people actually are, right? When I've come over yeah. here, I've lived here for a few years. Someone like that burst onto the scene because he has um, a foggy Jew, it's called by Sinead O'Connor. It's a real eerie version. At, at the start of his walkout. And, oh, and then in kicks yeah. Biggie Smalls. Yep. But since 2000, since the end of 2011, I actually had the exact same thing at the start of my song, but not from Sinead O'Connor, but from the Wolf Tones. Yeah. And I'm like, how similar are we to actually find that war song to get us in the zone and then we walk out to it? You're channeling that Irish spirit. Just, we, we channel the Irish spirit and a lot of stuff that we say, like, you know, like, even, even who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. That's stuff that every single one of us actually say. Yeah. And a lot of the sayings that he's famous for, we actually go around saying, and then because, because it's so funny because I now refrain from saying some stuff that he would say. But it's for, like part for, of your natural. For fear of yeah. want of people thinking, yeah. uh, wanting to copy him. But that's your natural shit. That's, that's our noticed, natural shit. I noticed that first noticed that with Andrew. Yeah. So like I've met Andrew in Thailand and we were hanging out. And I'm like, I'm fucking with Conor McGregor. Yeah. But with Andrew, there's no, like, there's nothing fake about him mm, at all. Nothing. So, like, you're with this dude and instantly, bro, me, we were boys instantly. Like, he had some fucking, he had a spliff there. Like, well, I got off the plane. He's like, you smoke a bit of weed, dear? And I was like, I do. <laughs> Five seconds in the fight. And we're walking down a street in Thailand and, uh, and, you just you knew that it was just like there's no fucking fake bullshit with him so then you hear the stuff that he says that sounds like McGregor mm. and I'm like this that that's just he, McGregor's just a fucking Irish dude yeah because here I'm hanging out with him and then I would like hang out with you and Andrew like we were just at one of his um, mates place that he trains with in Melbourne I was there last week for the F1 and I'm like so fuck that's him as well like it's just there's that Irish and yeah. and who the fuck has a guy like an Irish mate in Australia where you're like god he's a fuckhead like everyone loves their Irish mate and yeah. it's like Andrew yeah. said there's an Irish pub in every town there's mm, something there about the culture yeah. of the Irish people that well, you fucking know what resonates is. with everybody it's the crack you know you know, the crack have the crack yeah just have the fun like I, I've even found um, my cousin Mark lives here he's a plumber is that a Gaelic I, word sorry which the crack crack, crack. yeah yeah, yeah. it's C-R-A-I-C yeah, which yeah. is like an Irish saying it's not and, um, and uh, I, like me and Andrew we text that to each other all the time we're like what's the crack and I'll yes. be like I'll, be like, oh, I'll, I'll pop over we'll have the crack yeah, like uh, I've adopted that when I talk to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I'll be down at boxing and people will come down and watch a spar. Ah, come on, and the they'll crack. say whatever you know, and I'll go, oh, let's go crack, and they'll I tell them it was a lot of fun, and you know, and they're yeah. like, oh, okay, because they wouldn't understand what it is. But I'll also say, and what you're saying there, I've got a cousin here, Mark White, and um, one of the things that I noticed about him was he used to uh, he had a lot of lot of guys like from football, playing football yeah. and all that. But you'd see these guys coming like, and and so they're all normal dudes. But within spending half an hour with him, especially when there was a few beers flowing, everybody was acting like idiots and having the crack and having yeah. fun. And he just had this ability to just get everyone to, to start messing badly. Like, yeah. and, and I just feel like that's probably the Irish way, you know? It is. Once, once, once business is done, let's, let's have fun now and let's have the crack, so. <laughs> it, it is, it's crazy that, um, that that's so like a part of what made Connor successful. And I just think to me, it's like, it's less about him individually as what it says about the Irish people. Yeah. And it's like, he fucking has that Irish flag. And, and like it, I haven't had close Irish mates until, um, I was close mates with Andrew. Yeah. He's like my first real Irish friend. 
And it's like, I can't wait for his fucking wedding. Yeah. Because there's going to be all the fuck. He's like, oh, it'll be some crack, you know? And it's like, <laughs> it fucking will be because yeah. there's a bunch of you cunts yeah. there. Yeah. But yeah, there yeah. is that, that fucking crazy spirit. Do you, do you yeah. know where the crack comes from? Like that term? Like what it actually... Is it just a re- Irish word or does it come from something? Oh, uh, listen, I, I don't really know. All I know is like, that's how we used to greet each other. What's the crack? Yeah. You know, what's... And, and, you know, and then so... And then the crack was great last night. Before you knew it, before I knew it, everything was the crack. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a real sense about us of, of, of wanting to have fun. And I, I think that obviously comes from the hardships that Ireland's have. That we, we don't even talk about. We don't... We just put it to the side and we just have the crack yeah. and that's all it is and that's why the crack is so strong in us because anything that goes on it's in like our lives a, it's like the force for the Jedi it is yeah it is but anything that goes on right you just go have the crack now and, and that'll sort everything out that's what it feels like to me anyway yeah you so know? you think it did come from like the oppression that the Irish people will put on I feel like that yeah I feel like that. that's who has made us so uh, determined in our fields when it comes to professionalism and I feel that determination and that, that real Graveling your guts, spitting your eyes, sort of uh, a thing. I think that came from there as well, because uh, it was there was a lot of stuff. Even just not not long ago, there was a lot of hardships, and um, and I feel like it's a, it's it's also the key of a lot of um, uh, a lot of people feeling low self worth and not good enough. Because you yeah. imagine, right? You imagine a lot of maybe that's where a lot of athletes fall over at the last minute um, um, as well. You know, but it happens in every country too. But you've got a country there that all of a sudden just becomes other people come in they invade it and next thing all of a sudden it's not yours anymore and you're not even allowed to speak your own language anymore you're not allowed to do this you're not allowed to do that you're not allowed to play your own national sport and then and then all of a sudden what would that, What does that do to the general population's self-worth yeah. you know they start to feel not good enough and then that starts to resonate and then that starts to get passed down and then you know all this stuff all these all these uh, uh, um, weird things that all Europeans have that I think about money you know we all feel like oh money's hard come by and all of this and then we find it hard to manifest money because we have this so really used to weird feel- yeah so used to it and feeling like you know that's how the other half lives you know that saying yeah. you know that's the worst thing you can put out you know if you're looking to manifest wealth you know you got to really f- be able to vibrate what it is to have that stuff and we're just not brought up that way. And so I think that a lot of our past has a lot to do with that. But I think right now is the time of awakening. And what I've learned myself, even in the last few years alone, um, uh, I feel like anybody can learn, especially coming the next generation. So I think the tides are turning. Yeah, oh, for sure it is, man. Like, even the fact that people will be sitting in their cars right now listening to this or sitting in a subway and fucking you know new york or wherever they are listening to it from ireland it's like people are so into hearing about this kind of stuff it wasn't spoken about and even you know growing up in ireland in like your time i'm sure when you were a kid it was it would have been such a different mentality like uh even with with me i think a lot of stuff that i've got in terms of like success or wanting success or wanting to be um yeah i guess like that ego shit that i was saying like I, I would associate that with ego because you were sort of told like mm. don't do that don't think like this put your head down just get a good job just get a good wife just get this like the ceiling was so low for people because I think that there was just that expectation we're a poor people you know like we're, mm. a, we're an oppressed people just get through this life's hard enough without wanting more mm. it's hard enough just to have this but it's like if you don't want more than this, you're only ever gonna have this. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's, there's sayings in Ireland, right? Then, 
Uh, it's like um, you know they, they say it here. Oh, that fella has tickets on himself, or mm. or, or in Ireland, that that fella has notions. Have you heard that one? No, nah, no. Nah. What notions means? He's got grand, grand notions plans, of himself. Yeah. No, no, no. Just oh, notions yeah. about himself. Yeah, right. Just that he thinks he's better than you. Yeah. And so the funny thing about it is, is I've when I've weighed through my boxing career and when I go home to see people and everything else, I really try to find a fine line between. Not not being who I am in terms of proud of my achievement and yeah. success, and and everything else, and then not to be perceived like I have notions. Yeah, and uh, I mean I I I know I'm I know I, I or I, at least I believe I know life has humbled me, so I must be humble. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Fuck, I know that's that. a good way of looking at it. Yeah, because I, just to come out nowhere and say I'm humble probably doesn't really, but life has humbled me, so I don't think I give off that that idea. Yeah. Um, That's and, a great concept. Yeah, well, and so I, I used to always try, because before I left um, uh, for Australia, I used to find how I lowered what I was doing. I used to, like if someone said to me, Hogan, you had a great win last weekend, I'd have to say something like, yeah, but you know, I got very tired in the last round and yeah. he hurt me there in the second. Yeah. Why did I have to make it worse than it was? Mate, I still say that about shit. Yeah. I've, I caught I myself it, doing it. I find it so, especially now, this, this thing is what's really... Uh, really fucking made me realize that shit is that people will be like, oh, yeah, you're doing this, this, and this. You did, and I'll, and I'll like, oh yeah, it's a fucking grind, but you know, like you're always, yeah, you naturally always play shit down. It's do. so hard for me it's, to it's accept a compliment. Wouldn't you love to turn around and say, yeah, it's going really well. I'm actually doing what I love. We're about to, you know, but the, if you the, do the say sponsors that. trying to get in the door here, and I'm only picking out the sponsors that I want, and and life is great. And then you the, can't say that. Do you but. feel like there's certain people that would be delighted? Like if yeah. someone spoke to me like that, I'm like, my man, what did you yeah. do? I want to know what you did. Yeah. But there's a lot of other people that just go, oh, but that's what notions. What, notions. That's <laughs> what my friends are like. I mm. can call Cleary and say, fuck, bro, wouldn't believe this. This has happened. I can check this out. This is who messaged me. And it do, I don't have that feeling of, and maybe it's that reflection thing, you know? It's like I don't have that feeling coming back to me as I've got notions. Yeah. I'm just telling my fucking friend that, yeah. fuck, it's working, bro. Like, mm. I'm working my ass off and it's happening. And he'll call me and be like, oh, I just got this job. And it's the same with, like, all my real close, close friends, man. I talk to them about my successes and my ideas and my... Uh, my like things that I want and things that I'm getting I talk to those people about that because I don't feel like I get any of that judgment but man there's been people in my life and even like close people in my life that I've had to just let go of recently mm. and because it's like mate I can't be fucking dealing with like having to feel like I can't say how I'm feeling about myself yeah. and how how I feel about the things that I'm setting out to achieve and I'm one step closer and I'm this that this just happened and this has been a fucking big goal I've, mm. i'm weeding out those people man yeah like if you can't accept that like i'm trying to be something and like achieve goals and that i'm like passionate about and that i love what i do or if i gotta feel guilty this is another one is like if mm. i've got to feel guilty because you're not out there achieving your fucking dreams mm. i gotta be guilty about mine yeah. no thanks man mm. i want to be around motherfuckers that are out there doing their shit yeah i mean that and that's right and and if you want to know who, who those people are, all you got to do is just say, if I have a failure, who do you think will like hearing that the most? And you, you, mm. you, you almost know the people who would be like, oh, you'll be all right, man. But you know, you know that they're like, good stuff. And, you know, 
And but I can always see who those people are and why they're like that is because they've had their they they're so they've they just have their own insecurities because they've not done it yet. Yeah. But here's the thing, uh, I just feel like you know yeah you you do have to cut that circle smaller, but also while you're out, but you can also know you can still keep giving back to them. You haven't, you don't have to feel bad because they're now not in your life anymore. You can still feel good because you're still out there doing your thing, and they're seeing that. And by by them seeing you do that you're allowing them the permission to go do it for themselves so mm. you're still helping them even though you're not in the same boat you know what i mean so mm. that's how i feel about it all and um it's a it's a it's a it's a it's like the whole thing man if someone's successful i'm just like what did you do <laughs> well, you know I, I, there's many successful people in my area and i grill them and i've i've asked them the same questions a couple of times and i love some, cool. of, some of the answers that i get and um I, like I mean, in, in, uh, starting off as a boxer, you know, you need to get some sponsors on board and stuff like that, and that's good. But once I had what I needed, um, I've had other successful people around that I'm, I could have pitched for sponsorship and this, that, the other, but I, 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 no, I don't want to. I just wanna, I want to. I, I want your knowledge. Yeah. I want to ask you questions here and there. I don't want you thinking that I want money now. I'm very grateful for the sponsors that I have and all, and, and even them I was getting lots of knowledge from as well. They actually got me onto the speaking, so got me to speak at their conferences, which then allowed me then to go off and, and do, uh, pursue my own public speaking career. But if you can just get little nuggets from people here or there, like just ask them the simplest things, like you know what information, what 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 what, what advice would you have for say a thirty year old you right now, yeah. or or what was the most profound thing that ever happened to you, or what do you, just little questions like that, man, and you just get nuggets. Yeah. And I finally, it's always intrin intrinsically linked, always. To, to success and what yeah. other people will tell you there's never something that comes really out of the blue you know what I mean so uh, so then you kind of know you're on track as well so. yeah that's that thing that I was saying is like you, you there's like those stereotypes of like oh he'll run five miles first thing in the morning he's so disciplined with his diet he'll do two and a half session hour sessions and other guys will do one and it's like you're just not fucking born with that like mm. it's all a part of this this process but then when you link that to being successful you're like oh yeah that just makes sense mm. but like there's a point in time that's why i love like you to go back to connor and if there was cameras around you it'd be the fucking exact same but there's like those things where he's young and he's got that shaved head and he's fucking got pimples all over his face mm. and he's still fucking connor mcgregor yep it's not he's not being different like in terms of him you can see him in that person you can see the conor mcgregor that was fucking walking in brooklyn going like this with a mink coat on you can mm. see that motherfucker yeah. in that kid he's, still there, yeah. it's, he's always been that guy and it's just been this constant thing to like achieve what he has so i'll tell you a little story and i actually wouldn't mind i was on a, a podcast uh, at the start of the week called dorothy and the dealer as well I and mean, i actually spoke about the same thing but my brother had a sports nutrition company called big shot sports nutrition down in port leash and um, he sponsored me some stuff and he also said to me he said to me he goes we have this uh, MMA fighter called Connor. He he has a uh, he's got the exact same law of attraction. That's yeah, where yeah, I was at yeah, back then. Yeah. It's it's manifested itself into something huge, much bigger now with all techniques and what you do and all. But back then he uh, and so I looked at this video and it was McGregor and he was talking about uh, his second world title fight or something like that. How he got injured and he was talking about law of attraction or the other guy got injured. And I'm like, wow, Jesus! It, it is that he's speaking of law of attraction. Then we added each other on Facebook and. I seen him speak about law of attraction and all that, but my brother told me like I used to go down and pick up, I think it was creatine, 
uh, something else that is some kind of like fat burners and um, and and a protein uh, once every month or something like that. And so that was my little sponsorship, and I I was sponsored by them. They had a poster of me in the, and they had a poster of me in the window and a poster of McGregor in the window. One of McGregor doing that like or something, but. Uh, um, but he told me, my brother told me, he just said, he said, McGregor, after getting sponsored a bit of protein, within uh, like a month or two, he just said, actually, hold on, if I get six tubs of this and I sell this, can I get more of this? And so he, the businessman was inside in front of him. I was just happy to get that yeah, and move away. Right. And but the businessman has always been in Conor McGregor from very early doors, before he ever even knew he could get to the UFC, before he was even in the UFC. The, the businessman was there, the man who thinks money. Who thinks ahead? So, uh, I think that's very interesting to see and know that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, it is, man. Yeah, because like you look at proper twelve now, he probably had a proper twelve vision before he was even a yeah. professional fighter. Yeah, I reckon. Like if you if you asked him, he probably would say, "Oh, me drink like there's a bottle of Jameson right there. Like that's mm. Irish whiskey." Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows if it will be like the first thing that you think of? Yeah. With Irish whiskey one day. Because he's fucking killing it. Yeah, yeah. So, he, yeah, yeah, you're right. That person, yeah, it's like that. the person is, like, if you looked, I'm sure if I watched old videos of you, I'd be like, yeah, still Dennis. Yeah, I reckon, yeah. Uh, I reckon. I suppose. The, uh, the, I definitely wasn't as confident back then, though. I've, yeah. I've, 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 I've earned this confidence that I have now and that you really see, you know. Um, back then, I think I was just trying, you know, you just, every, I think until you truly know you're trying to be confident yeah okay and then and then i think your confidence becomes becomes knowledge becomes certainty i think there's a, a little a little pathway that you follow once you really see it backed up then it, it just becomes then then you just are that but up until that point you're doing everything you can to get there but when you say as well you know those extra hours and all of those all the work that you do and everything else that stuff doesn't just naturally happen once you have the goal Right. Once you have a goal and you start to see yourself get there and you're truly inspired to get there, this is something that truly inspires you, that's when you put in all those extra hours and all that yeah. extra and overcome all of those adversaries. Because if you weren't really that inspired by the thing in the first place, I don't think you'd do that. Yeah. And that kind of comes back to what we said before with the, um, what we, we talk about goals and size of goals. Like, the, um, like uh, always go big with a goal. Always go big. So if you just say, I'm going to do a podcast, uh, just whatever it is, always go for the, the highest thing that you can imagine because that's what inspires you the most. That's what makes your reticular activating system vibrate the highest when you think about it. That's what will then bring it back to you. So if you go go low with your goals, you're not that inspired. You're now not using law of attraction to its greatest. You're actually going to attract a, a major goal much easier than you'll attract a smaller goal. And you don't really care about the smaller goals that much anyway. So are you really even going to put in? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That, and then that's one of those things um, too where I guess you see like, with Connor, like when when your goal is like the top of the mm. top double world champion, it's like you get there, and a lot of times then it starts to become more of like an inward journey in a way because you realize that the thing that you wanted. Well, I guess some people realize it, but before or after they get the thing that they want, mm. where it's like if it seems like with you, you've done all of the work on yourself, mm. and not that it's over and you're not going to continue to work on it but it's like you've almost done like a level of work on yourself that can avoid those kind of pitfalls of like mm, achieving right, a goal and then you hit that dead zone where you're like well my life was so about my purpose that once my purpose is achieved I don't have 
like there's nothing left kind of after that because like it was the ceiling yeah. and that's what you saw with like the Tyson Fury and then they have to then go and do that work in a void yeah. where like there is no goal that it's only that in internal work to like reconcile yeah. whereas you've kind of done it while you're still in the process of achieving the goal so yeah. it's like those wins are sort of still there well I, I'm glad that you said that because because I'm very blessed that I did that and went through that really intense party stage at that time of my life and it's not ahead of me because I have a world champion undisputed world champion head off to be a coach I want to have a, a gym in, in, in the major global cities I want to have these centre of excellences everywhere everything that I've used and utilised for myself I want to have for my fighters I want them to be able to fly around do the European style against the, uh, and I have this massive goal and vision uh, and even even bigger you know I even want to do uh, um, uh, I won't go into it but I've got some massive goals yeah. and I know that the most powerful thing in the world is goals it's 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 huge and I can tell you a little funny story on that one if you want yeah, to so, 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 so um so uh, my partner Bradeen White so she um, her grandmother um, she got she was uh, her, her goal as she said was she wanted to make it to 100 years of age and she said uh, and she said like, she was looking forward like, when you become uh, when you get 100 the president visits your house writes you a check for 1000 euro has lunch and then drives off and so what? yeah that happens in Ireland that's cool as yeah, fuck yeah 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 that's yeah. uh, no, good yeah so um, so anyway she full of vitality um, minded like you know helped raise the kids and all of that and uh, a really nice family there out in Kilkenny and um, and um, she would have done a lot of mining of Bradeen and all that and um, when she hit her goal uh, I, I think it was the, the, I think it was the next day or, or that day that day or the next day she said, oh, well, I've, I've, I've done it now. I suppose I'll just be a hindrance from here on. They're like, no, no. Within a couple of weeks, she had gotten dementia and passed away. So, wow. And, and I've got another few stories like that, which I won't go into, but I truly I truly believe that that it's all got to do... I, my saying, right, which I got from Mitch also, was vitality is given where there's clarity of vision. Once you have that vision and you're able to tune into the frequency of it, tune into that vibration, then 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 the vitality is given to support that. You're going to meet challenges along the way, but they're tests to get you to the next level. And that's how I look at all of these. That's how I was able to stand in Mexico and say, uh, when Channel 9 was interviewing me, I still feel like the champion. I still feel like I've got the belt. I will have the belt. And it was the same in Brooklyn. I said the exact same thing. I've just been knocked out for the first time at middleweight. It's all good. I'll still have the belts. And I truly feel it, and I know it when I'm saying it right now. And so I've tuned in, and it's going to show up even better. It's going to see for me if you write a goal of just being world champion, okay, and 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 there's nothing else with it, you know, I feel like I would have hit that goal a lot quicker than when I have this other huge goal, because I feel like I feel like everything that's getting me to this point right now. Uh, are all the attributes and all the things that I need for after boxing also. Mm. So this is one big collective mission statement that's playing out here. The all these all these um uh, adversaries are for this huge goal. And so that's why and that's why I'm still okay with it all. And and no attachment to what should happen this year or what shouldn't. I think I know what I what I believe will happen. Uh, but I, I do know I'll be world champion and these these dreams will manifest but it's not up to me to scream and shout about when it must happen mm. so. and I think too that the this podcast as well for me has been like a really great learning thing in terms of just like just staying on the fucking path like one foot in front of the other because you just don't know 
when something where you thought it was the end of the road like when i when i left america i was like i was filming the best motocross dudes in the world i was making a part of making the coolest videos in motocross getting millions of views i was traveling i was doing all that when i left america i was like well that's over now that and there was like a sort of a sad part of me where i was like that there was like a void to that because I, i sort of felt like that was just a waste like because i didn't get to you know it just stopped and yeah. I was like, I didn't see all of that out. And then now I'll go back and none of that's there. I got to start again. But it's like that gave birth to the podcast. And then all of those skills, like everyone, everyone was looking at me like, uh, oh, do you think the podcast just does so well because of all the contacts you've got? And is it because you knew this? And is it because, and I was like, yeah, it is because of that. It is because of the contacts that I got. But guess what? Those fucking contacts and the skills with all the camera stuff and the editing and the business and that's all done from fucking zero like i started mm. at zero and i acquired all of those things myself mm. and i thought they were all for nothing when that went away yeah. but it was almost like i got all of this and now that part of my life has like fully propelled this next part forward yep. so it's like you just can't you can't like look at things through the lens of like timelines and when this is supposed to happen and if you have a setback like a you know two losses in a year mm. that that is like you you that's you you're not that thing in that moment yeah it's like you don't know what the fuck's going on in the next six months mm. like i didn't six months before i started this podcast zero idea i was starting this podcast yeah six months later life's completely different yeah and it's changing all the time and it's great mm. and it's like you need to be the person that can like fucking take a huge hit yeah. a massive setback suffer a fucking crippling defeat and then be okay yeah be mentally okay with it and like you said still a fucking champ yeah if you can have that attitude in life how the fuck can you lose yeah, that's it yeah you literally can't lose because you you fucking you lose and then you just keep walking forward yeah and that's like that loss is behind you if you if you're fucking still a winner you don't know when that next win's coming yeah there could be another lot as long as you fucking on the Stay last on the day track. that you're here you're still a fucking winner at something mm. you're still involved in some process that you can have a fucking win at yeah. then you die a winner yeah that's it no one has to fucking die a loser no yeah. one has to live you're you were a loser for one day or one moment when mm. that dude's fucking hand was and charlie's hand was risen yeah. and then you go on being a fucking winner again well you, well you say I like that but also at the same time sometimes that's the journey for the biggest one see here's the here's one of the things that I speak about when I visualise uh, um, being world champion I met it so beautiful in my head like it's it's so emotional for me and I met it like all the work and everything the tears the sweat the, uh, everything everything that I went into it I'm, I was feeling all of that come out of me in that moment and it's and when I visualize it, it's beautiful. And I think I might have overdone it because now it seems like the you know life is bringing that to me. It's yeah. given me so many setbacks now. It's like, gonna make you earn. It's that it's making me earn that feeling. Yeah. So that's something that I'm I'm gonna be aware of setting goals the next time because it's really making me earn that feeling. But I will feel it. Yeah. I will feel it, and it will, and it 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 will be beautiful because. Um, my God, did last year set me? I mean, here's the thing as well. Like after the Mexico fight, I still, I had a choice to make. 
right? Get upset over everything or else be happy. And everybody said to me, like I did, I got a lot of sportsman's lunches and stuff. You get a few quid for, for doing those. And people were gobsmacked at how I... I did an interview afterwards, back in the hotel, and I had a Mexican hat on, and I was just drinking uh, yeah, you, something, yeah. and I would have a bit of pizza afterwards. And If the sound was off, you would have thought you won. Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> and so people ask me about that, and, and, and I've got to the point in my life where I can choose how I feel in any moment. After the Charlo fight, I chose to have a good night afterwards, right? I chose to do that. I chose to relax. And and then afterwards, when I got back to Brisbane, I just got the girls straight away and said, let's go down the Gold Coast. And we went to the beach and all that. So I just was craving the beach after being in Miami and, 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 and New York for so long. But, um, but then I, I sat back and said, right, I have a choice to make now. How do I feel about this? And I said, right. I, can, I, I, I knew I could choose to be okay with it, or as, but what I chose to do is I chose to feel like I don't want to let this happen again. So in order to do that, I had to let myself feel the disappointment, right? And then say, how do I drill this in that this does not happen again? And through doing that, I, I and a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, uh, thinking and, 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 and just going back over everything, I made seven key points that, that will now make sure that will happen in future going forward. What are those? Communication being one of them. Um, which you've uh, already said that, which you, I've that you're about. in the, like the coaches are in the loop and things like They're that. They're all in the loop and communication periodization, which obviously fits into that as well. Um, I've, I've acquired another um, person as well in my circle, because I've got a, a small circle, but uh, Sharon Anios, who also lives here on the Gold Coast, she's a five-time world champion. She was an inaugural WBC female world champion. She, I actually was at her house this morning. So, um, so she's uh, um, also um, given me some um, some techniques and stuff that that work for her to become world champion. So, um, even at the age of thirty five, which I am now, and I have great mentors as well. You know, up to this point, and every person I, I meet essentially, I feel can give me a nugget or a gem. But I've also now got Sharon. Uh, who will talk about her and she also does coaching with other people for different things but just to just to stay in that vibration and to keep talking to these people and she has me doing a couple of little techniques as well just for the subconscious and for work like that and we'll, we'll mill things over uh, uh, through, through conversations and stuff like that as well because I feel like that's important but not just is it good for me in my life um, as a boxer as well it's also good for me after boxing as well and being a coach and everything else yeah. and just opening up and being receptive to people who have achieved what I'm looking to achieve that's the key thing that's I think that's the main point well that's humility well also yeah because yeah. you're you're humble enough to admit that you've got a lot to learn yeah even as a person that like you could teach so much like you could mm. teach fucking boxing life being a professional, like you could actually tell people so much that would help their life, mm. but you're humble enough to go and ask all of these other people mm. because you still think that you've got so much to learn. Like that's what humility is. I, I, I re yes. Well, I really don't feel like you ever stop. Um, I seen there's there's a video on YouTube that I come across. I look, I love looking at little research videos, and they actually said that the people that think that they're they're that are actually believe that they're masters in their area and believe that they know the more there is to know are actually people that aren't. Mm. It's the the masters in someone's area are people that know that there's much more to be learned. And so when I went pro boxing, I thought, okay, I've, I know pretty much a lot about boxing now. It's time to go professional and I'll, I'll do what I can there and everything else. And so it was only, I mean, 
I went pro boxing thinking that I had boxing down pat a bit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> little did I know. Little did I and even now to this day, we're still we're still zoning in on little things that are gonna make the world of difference. And I'm just like, this is incredible. So uh, um, I, I do feel like there's always a universe of, of stuff that you can always learn. And I, I just never want to stop. And I enjoy the process. Yeah. Well, that's like you hear when people say that they get their black belt in jiu-jitsu. It's like you've put fucking 10 years on the mats. And you are so fucking locked in to jiu-jitsu. But they put that black belt around your waist. And you get a, a flood of emotion of fuck I don't know anything yeah and they everyone I've says heard that this. My, uh, Glenn he was one of the highest degree black belts you could get and he said now now, now you started to, now now it's, it's nearly like the black belt is in terms of mastering is now you're good enough to be able to master everything that there is is, is that what yeah basically yeah like yeah yeah the, Taylor um, Taylor Cecil I'd love for you to I don't know how many of these you've listened to but there's one with Taylor Cecil. I'd love to even introduce you to him. He is a fucking brilliant, brilliant, brilliant guy. Young, He's our age. Mm. Fuck. The energy that comes off this dude. But he was t- telling me about... Um, there's like just these stages of, of uh, like consciousness where it's like you, um, you don't know that you don't know. Mm. You know you don't know. You know, there's like all of these different layers to it. Mm. And like the way that he explains that that understanding and it's like um the highest level of that is um not knowing that you know not knowing that you know so you actually have to go through the stage of actually knowing so i'll try and remember exactly the stages so it's like at first it's first of all uh you know that you don't know something yeah so that's a white belt yeah and then you are a black belt and you know that you know jujitsu yeah and then the real um the real like kind of mastery level of it is just knowing that you don't uh that you don't know everything yeah and then you go uh to that not knowing that you do know and that's the time when you're actually a master at something yeah is that when you're so good at it you aren't even aware that you know that you're that good that you know the thing yeah 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 and it's I'm also butchering his explanation no 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 but, but, but i'm no 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 but it's making sense but also um what 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 Glenn said to us as well about boxing and Bruce Lee has said it is like when you're learning to throw a punch, it's the same, he said he talked about a kick, but a punch is the same for us, right? It's like it's a first of all, it's just a punch, right? But then you break it down. It's not just that you you, you compartmentalize it a lot, yeah, into everything that it is, right? And and there's just so much work goes into it, and then all of a sudden, when you know it so well that you're throwing it perfection, now it's just a punch again. And, yeah. um, and I, I really like that because that's how I look at everything now. I want to compartmentalize all of it, every every single part of it. I don't stop doing that now, even at this point. Like, but like, this this is going to sound crazy. It'd be boxing people on here right now going bullshit. But I'm 35 years of age. I have seven knockouts on my record. Uh, I hurt people in nearly every fight, but I've let them off the hook. And I've done a bit of work on that mentally. And um, and I, I feel like I've come to a resolution, and um, and I'm ready now to because I I can knock people down in spars quite easily as well not easily but it will it will happen but naturally, but in in in, in fights it doesn't seem to manifest itself. So what do you think that is? Well, I can well also. One of the things that my one of my mentors spoke about for a long time was he said, he, he he's like, 
you don't want to hurt people. You, it's actually not yeah, in my nature yeah. to actually want to genuinely hurt somebody. Um, and we, we have to get back to the stem of that. And this is called shadow work, which I do quite a lot. Um, and I have another um, person in my life, Mimi, as well, um, who does uh, life coaching and stuff. She's also my physio. She's done a lot of work with me in this. And, and so wh why is it? like So when I, when I see that people are hurt or they're tired or ready to go, why don't I want to move in on them? Because deep down, genuinely, I, I don't want to hurt people. But I'm so in tune with that. Like, I, I watch what I say around certain people to um to like you know i'll say what i have to say and i'll always be myself but i'm very conscious i do i physically and and mentally don't want to hurt anybody so i've got people that come onto my facebook try to criticize me and talk shit about me i give them back a little bit of shit for a bit of fun but i never want to say like there's stuff about those people i could say if i wanted to hurt them yeah i could say shit publicly but i never ever do because i don't want anybody and that's just it's just not in my yeah. nature one of the things some of the best fighters have is a ruthlessness I really yeah. want uh, and so and so we had to um, we had to go back and see where that stemmed from we found where that was we've given it away and um, and uh, I've got a bit of a, a hypnosis um, in terms of when that happens now I'm now relating that to something different in my mind yeah. something goes off I click in and I do what I need to do and then when the fight's over that drops out again Yeah, and um I've also got a guy working with me called Peter Powers. He has shows in England uh, that that's doing that hypnosis with me to get me to see it, to get me to acknowledge it, and then to get me to do what needs to be done. Now, my coach can tell me till he's blue in the face. Like, I've got great fellas showing me the right technique and everything, and I, I've known it all, and I can throw it, and I can do it on the pads, but I don't seem to do it in the fight, and especially as, as well inspiring when I'm doing it and I've got somebody there. Inspiring, you don't do it. Yeah, uh, you know, and you do, you've got guys that will inspire, and you don't do it. And then in a fight, then I think that also it is also, the same thing. Yeah, pattern response. So now, now it's time for me to just be a little bit more ruthless and just start doing it because there's there's power in these fists. Yeah, you know, when I land, I can really land, and so it's time for me now to, to zone in on that. So now, not only are we going to work that now into our game plan, we're going. I'm using all of these things, and one of the things that will come up from someone else as well. They said was. Someone said to me, Dennis, do you feel like you had to be knocked out before you felt it was okay to do it to someone else? Because one of my sayings yeah. is, don't do to someone uh, unless you'd have it done to yourself. And that's how I live my life. I'll ask myself that. And so and so now that I know that it's completely okay to be, not that I'd ever had any fear about it or anything like that. But you're right, there is a bit of a, like, the, that sort of does make a tiny bit of sense. You know? You're like, yeah. oh, okay, I can see that. So I feel like that was meant to happen. That's what I feel like that was meant. I was meant to go the middle way. I was meant to feel that. I was let that happen. Because now I know that maybe you could be helping the person. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can be either. Fuck, that's interesting. Yeah, so now that, that now resonates with me mentally. So now if I see a person hurt or, or, or tired that they're ready to go, I'll just go, okay, let's get them out of misery now. They're ready to go. They're hurt. Let's not make them suffer too much longer. And you learn get more in from and a loss like that. I've learned more from a loss like that and having the right people around me but he's seen that in me for years. He's like, you just don't want to hurt people. Well, even that fight that I watched with you, you like, yeah, you didn't, like, you fucking pumped him a couple of times with some big shots but it mm. seems like you Never could have just trashed up. the dude. I know. Something was going on for me inside and I'm very aware. It's crazy to make it so far in professional boxing to be like one of the top fucking two in the world. Yeah. And then you've got that feel like, I don't really want to fucking hurt anyone. Yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I know. I, I mean, do you know what? When we did a bit of work in it, we actually got into a bit of a meditative state and um, and I spoke about after my second pro fight, um, 
go back to the first time you felt like you know you, you and so I remember I I fought a guy I won't mention his name but it was my second pro fight and um and and I I had landed some great shots on him and um, I, the fight ended at the end of the second round I think or the third round and he came up to me after the fight and um, he just wanted to shake my hand and say hello but his face was all out in lumps and that was for me that really hit home because that was one of the hardest things I had to see but I'll tell you why not because if we were on the same par right that was okay right that was the skill of it but the fact that that was the part of my journey where I'm being built up uh, and that, I, that, I, that I've done that to a guy for money that didn't resonate with me and I remember going home later on that night and I remember after having a few beers I was, I was a bit emotional over it actually and I thought if this is what this ends up being me just pumping guys for money um, then I don't want a bar of it and from that moment on I got guys that couldn't be knocked out anymore so that wasn't just matchmaking I feel like that was divine intervention yeah. S some magical divine intervention was listening to me and gave me hard fuckers to fight ever from then after I fought like about 10 to 12 knockout artists in, in my come up stage you know Stephen Moxon um, uh uh, there was other guys there as well that had lots of um, Tyrone Brunson this guy had 19 yeah, first round yeah. knockouts in his I've first 19 fights Brunson. yeah and so and so I beat him for the North American title uh, um, and so I feel like I feel like I asked for that rather than having an easier run against pumping these guys I feel like I asked for that that night when I said don't give me any more people just just that are getting better up for money I, that, that did not feel good for me and I think that that's maybe where that might have stemmed from yeah, and then you've kind of hung on to that now into like later on as it goes. Yeah, just to not really want to to pump them, but uh, but that now is a block, and that now has become a negative thing. Where um, now, where when I'm on uh, on enemy territory down in Mexico, say for example, um, you got to kill that. I, I need to knock him out <laughs> to be sure. Yeah. So now we're really zoning in on that, and a couple of like you know um, uh, body shots and stuff like that. I'm zoning in on the actual spots themselves. Yeah. And even with the guy wearing the body stuff and all that, where I'm getting the nod that I'm hitting the right areas now. That was never me before. For me, it was get land a shot, shot get points, up a shot, points, 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 yeah. points. So even at 35 years of age as a boxer, where most fighters would be retired, I'm still learning. I'm still probably doing what I should have done 10 years ago, but that's okay. Is it is it exciting? Because I can relate to that in a way of like the, the success that I'm having uh, in this business as opposed to my previous businesses. And it's like, it's like, fuck, I wish I knew this before, but it's like, I'm fucking 30 and I'm excited every fucking day. Like mm. every day I get up to go to work and I'm like, I'm going to suck the day's dick. Like I got, <laughs> I got shit to fucking do still. Yeah. And it's like, not everyone has that. Mm. Yeah. Not, especially not being inspired. Yeah. They're not, if you're not inspired, if you don't wake up in the morning and you've got something that truly inspires you, I don't think you know what it is to truly be alive. Mm. If, if, if you're working a nine to five, say that you're not happy with and you wake up on a Saturday morning like that, I believe try and make every day like your, like your day off. Yeah. You know, and that's what it is. Oh, yeah, of course. We get in the, we get in the trenches when we're in camp and there's days where my muscles do not want to get up and get out of bed and go spar another 12 rounds, six on the pads afterwards, 18 rounds straight in the heat. It can be up to 38 degrees here with high humidity. 
there's days where 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 it tests you, but you need those days to keep to to to, to keep you strong and resilient, mm. ready for what it is that it needs to be to be that what you desire to be. So, um, so I do believe that. I mean, I wake up straight away. First thing in the morning, I sit up right. I, I, I sit up back. I have a big bottle of water there too that I skull while I listen to my own voice talking my mission statement. Yeah. over and then uh, a couple of little things that I visualize as well I give gratitude for people in my life and situations and you know my family and, and what I've got And uh, but, but, but the night before I go to bed I lie there religiously right and I just think about the best thing I try to pick the best few things that happen throughout the day right all the little wins that I've had and then I try to bring it down to the two best and then the best even if you reckon you've had a pretty shit day, you've still had 10 major wins that day, believe it or not. Yeah, right. You have. It's balance. It's, it's energy. It's duality. It's yin-yang. For, for every negative, has to be a positive. And I always consider, and when I, when I then, then I focus the energy on being grateful for that, re, for that one big thing. When I do that, I plan out my day tomorrow. But I don't just plan out what I want to do. I feel, I put myself in the feeling. So let's just say feel I feel do. how I'm going to feel when I've achieved it. So I do I do my little schedule. I see Ari in the morning. We have a nice little connection. I go do my thing and it goes on. And then just say for my boxing, I'm feeling loose. I'm feeling ready. I do what it is. I say hello to a few of the boys. It's a nice feeling. Someone cracks a joke, right? I laugh. And I can feel these. But I put a lot of energy into it, right? So I'm in the ring. I'm doing the basics right. I do something new, right? Something that I've never done before. You get right? that feeling. Yeah, I get that feeling. And then I just manifest my, I just visualize it. And then I always visualize getting out through the ropes, standing up and going, ah, that was good. Yeah. And I, vi I visualize that feeling. I'm walking out of the gym after my pads, feeling refreshed and ready to go home, see my family and eat my dinner. So, And I visualize all of that. And that's every day before you every go to day, bed. Every day. And it, it should only take you... Uh, maybe five minutes but sometimes I can put 20 minutes 25 minutes because it's it. fun because it, like it's, it's fun good, yeah good feeling it's fun man my um, it's funny there's a couple of little things like with my jiu-jitsu stuff the only thing I think about in competitions is there's a feel like for, for whatever reason if I win like the, I won like the nationals last year with Andrew was there I stayed at his place mm. and him and one of the boys from the gym were cornering me and I like the whole time that week I was like visualizing like me and him like having the crack and I was like, we're going to have a role before it. And I was visualizing all of that. But for whatever reason, when I win something big that feels good to, it feels good to win for the, for the team and for like my, you know, training partners and for the people that sacrificed to their time and, you know, shit for me mm. to do it. I have like this, I, I always just go like, <gasps> like I just fucking it's not like a scream but it's just like a like tense and everything so hard mm. that it makes it like a, a particular sound mm. and I just feel that feeling mm. like whenever I get nervous about a comp even now like I had it the other day because I've been off injured with training and like a, it sucks to go back to training after a real long layoff like this has been the longest time I spent off jiu-jitsu mm. I'm gonna get fucking bashed by dudes that I normally bash yeah. and I'm going to have to suck that feeling up mm. and it's like I'm going to have to get humbled yeah. and whenever I get like a shitty feeling about that I always go oh, like I fucking squeeze and I mm. feel that feeling and then right after that feeling like all of the emotion all of the stress and anxiety all my worries before and cutting weight and all the bullshit and again it's on a micro level to what you're doing as a fucking world champion contender but it's like it's a similar process that that's what gets me through the things yeah. that i try and achieve at my level yeah. and then 
I do that and then your hand gets raised and then it's all gone. Mm. All of it's gone. Isn't all it? the emotions gone, all the responsibility, all the pre- it's all gone and then I'm just like, okay, cool. Mm. I can now I'll, I'll take that win. I'll enjoy that win. I'll, I'll chalk that up. The next time something gets hard, I'll think about that feeling and then that will then propel me on. Yeah. But one of the things that you yeah, said about I'm... the the morning thing, I am, like I've Googled this, man. Like I've literally Googled why am I so negative in the mornings? And I don't really, I've never really come up with like an answer. Like I, I wonder if there's like a scientific explanation, but like oh. my mornings are the most self-doubt I will feel and like I've got a fairly shitty morning routine up until I start reading my book and I always feel good after I read my book um but man like I'll be fucking sitting on the toilet I'll be looking at my internet stats for like iTunes and YouTube and shit and then I'll you know you might you know you might see like a snake man and I always doubt like oh fuck I got Dennis coming in today like I really hope I can do a good job and fuck I hope I don't sound like a wanker and all that shit man and it's like and I'm even like, oh, you're being real negative again. And even like, you're even negative about being negative. Mm. And my whole life, I've struggled with that morning, mm. that morning feeling. I've never been a guy that jumps out of bed. And like, I'm, I'm excited for like, I'm excited for the like, you know, my life. And I know I've got a great life, but fuck, I have to battle hard in the mornings, in the mornings to like, yeah. but it's weird, man. In so, the mornings, I've always struggled. What's your last, last thoughts at night before you go to sleep, do you reckon? I don't have any, man. And that's what I'm wondering. Mm. You know, like I don't, like I'll fucking pretty much get stoned and I'll think about, maybe I'm just too hard on myself because I'll get stoned and I'll mm. think about all the things I wish I could kind of did better. Maybe I'm... Yeah, never look... I, I feel like what you're doing... You're, yeah. you're, you're, see, the, people say uh, you're stressed when you're in, living in the future and you're depressed when you're living in, in the, the past. past. So if you're giving yourself future, uh, uh, um, past regrets, then you're, 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 you're then depressed and that's the... So they reckon, they reckon how you go to bed is how you wake up. So maybe go to bed with a bit more gratitude or whatever. I can actually send you one, oh, of, the, one of those one of those cool, cool hypnosis little things that you can actually go to sleep listening to. And even if you wake up in the middle of the night, replay it again. Yeah, I've got a specific one for me and my goals, but there's a there's a generic one which is unbelievable. And um, and so and so what I do then as well is I have my 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 phone on airplane mode. Now what I used to do back when stuff was going on, I used to get up and see that, and that instantly took my emotion. Yeah. So what I do now is airplane mode. I sit up, as I said, I drink, I have my water. I'm drinking that. I'm listening to my mission statement, which takes about seven minutes, right? And I'm tuning into the energy of the day before I even put one foot out of the bed, yeah. right? As long as I don't need to go for a pee already, but I usually okay. And um, and I get my energy up, and I make sure I'm feeling that energy of being the champion, and every the day of going beautifully, and everything coming out lovely before I even put my foot out of bed, or else don't get out. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Yeah, man. yeah. Well, I'm, I've had to do that, and uh, I learned a lot there just before was you've got fights coming up, and you had so many people uh, writing shit and and stuff like that. Like I didn't. I'd some for the Mungia fight, say for example. That's when I started doing this because I had so many people that just couldn't believe I, I would could win that fight or or even last the the twelve rounds. And I used to wake up in the morning. Was there that much doubt on that? There, there was that much. Yeah, the whole really. So you had to go through every, all that. Everybody except in my team because I was convincing my team. I'm a different kettle of fish, man. You people in my team. When I lost that last fight, I was the one going around. Don't worry, man. We'll get it again. I'm yeah. suiting them because I'm still in the energy. I'm. I've already, I've already, you know, tuned in. So, 
but yeah, I mean, uh, so I used to wake up and I used to see shit. You know, even as a even even with DDP, the the sports uh, um, promotion company with with the boys. Um, you know, you, you had a lot of people on there that just we write shit for no reason. A lot of haters. There's a lot of just got real sort of um, toxic. Yeah, call it that. And so you wake up and then you're tagged in some shit trade of everybody projecting their own shit onto onto Facebook. And um, and if you wake up right and you've had a beautiful sleep and you've gone to bed with the right intentions and you've done this and that, and the first thing you see is that that is that that that's hard to turn that energy off. I had that yesterday. So, so what? Yeah, yeah. So that's hard to turn that energy off. You actually have to work hard to get rid of that then, because mm-hmm. it's in your head. And so if you already get your energy up, right? You get your energy up. You see your vision, right? And you read your mission statement or you listen to it, whichever you want to do. You can just start off as a few goals and then just keep adding to it and keep adding to it. It becomes your becomes your masterpiece of your life. Mm. You read that every day and when you read it you feel vibrant. And then once I go down, right, and I see my I see my daughter and I see the girls and uh, and I have a coffee, after that it doesn't matter what I see. Couldn't give a fuck. But if I see it in bed it changes my energy, it's weird. I'm all it's like it's like I've already created my vibe. Mm. I think the first maybe the first fifteen minutes very important towards how the rest of your day flows. Yes, you can you can fight it and manipulate it, but it's in a flow if you start it right. Dude, the first fifteen minutes of my day, every day, for probably my whole life, are the shittest fifteen minutes. Right. That's the most doubt. It's the most negative. Like I'm not. Do you th- would you think at all I'm a negative person from just no, like talking? No, not at all, know? not at all. But I will tell you that it's it's no sorry no, but but I will tell you. See, when you're waking up, you're, you're back. You're, you're back on to the through the brainwaves again mm. right and it, like there's delta there's theta yes, yeah. and then there's and then there's alpha and then there's beta and then there's high beta yeah so as you're waking up you're going through this you're still in that slow inf- you're still in your you're still in, no you're still in your subconscious yeah that's your subconscious you need to do some work on that your most inner dominating thought is i'm not good enough yeah no and i feel that yeah. and i know and i know that from that we were talking about like self-doubt and stuff before like i've had to fight through this thing probably the last 12 months of like uh, the fact that I'm not even worth the success that I'm even having now. Yeah. Like that's a big problem for me. Yeah. Like I've, I've, I have to battle through like telling myself what I deserve to have or what I, cause the feeling of like what I should have isn't even what, like I've got more than I feel like I even should have. Yeah. And that's a real weird thing to sort of, to like, to live with. But yeah, it's that that first. It makes sense because that in that Joe Dispenza book, he's saying that you are in your subconscious in the morning, yeah. and that the with the way that those brain waves work, you can actually take in so much more information. Like it's so much more critical the information that you're taking in when you're first, in that subconscious state yeah. mm. than if you're in the. Is it the theta waves or like the sh- what's like the well, there's there's, the there's, there's delta when you're asleep, and then there's theta. And then there's uh, and then there's alpha, then there's beta. beta I mean, once yeah. you get into beta, you're now on just conscious like fight mode. and flight kind of mode. Oh no, high beta would be fight or flight. Yeah, but, okay. but beta is um, but beta is where your body is just naturally doing everything. Yeah. So when you're driving your car, you're not even thinking. You yeah. know, you're yeah. you're in you're in beta uh, uh, right then. But here's the thing, and here's what I've learned to do to get into the flow into the zone. On top of all of that, you'd now go if you can do it and access the flow 
uh, or the zone or there's many names on this um, you then go into gamma brainwave yeah. and that's what happens when I'm in the ring and things slow down and I get really confident and I'm like calling them onto the ropes yeah. that's when you're feeling the flow then it goes into gamma but you got to learn to be able to get into that from a certain area but you have to come off beta to get into that yeah right. so that's that, that's why people that are doing very fast activities end up just entering it and don't know why yeah you can't go from any other you have to work your way up in, in that way yeah so well i think that with a lot of that stuff like the way that you're doing it with like the fighting and stuff is like you're so in tune and you're like so in the moment that like all the other areas of the brain turn off yeah you know you've got like you, you can't think about other shit and I think that's what's like addictive about things like boxing or jiu-jitsu or motocross or running is like you just get so engrossed in the activity in the moment because like you said like the uh, that's one of the things with the meditation is like you should you should want to exist in the moment because mm. when you're living in the past you um have you know you can be depression. in depressed uh, depressive state and when you're living in the future you're worried about uh you when you're worried about the future, you're anxious. Yeah, anxious. So it's like stay in that zone mm. and like being in boxing or jujitsu or whatever it is that you do, mm. it keeps you in that zone where like you're not worried about the past or the, or the future. It does, it does. I, I, and even on a higher level again, um, I've realised when I start really seeing this stuff, what used to happen, so I, I, I bought a jet ski off a sponsor back in 2016 and I was going through legal stuff back then, right? And so my, my situation has changed now. But when I, you would get a, a legal letter, you're like, oh my God, talk about kicks in your fight or flight. Yeah. But what I found to do was jumping on my jet ski and going for a spin up the river and back again. And I found that that relieved the stress. And I was like, is that because I enjoy doing it? But I realized it's because you're so focused. You're in the zone. Yeah. In the zone. I, I don't want to come off there. There's bull sharks all over the Brisbane River. Yeah. And so I'm so, and, I'm, and I have to drive nonstop because I'm a crazy, crazy Dennis Hogan. Yeah. Right? And I'm just flying along. And so because I'm so focused on the now for an hour, it completely refreshes me and revitalized me. And I went, wow, what a crazy thing that is. So then I'm like, so this is really. So that's basically a meditative state, yeah. actually. So now it's like, okay, well, a lot of monks used to say that they believed their whole life could be a meditation. Eating your dinner is meditation. You're, yeah. If you're not looking at TV when you're eating your dinner and you're just enjoying the taste, and all, that's meditation also. Yeah. As, as long as you can turn off and think about what you're doing in this moment, whether that be just sitting there saying um or saying nothing or, or, or eating your dinner or slow walk, whatever. Joe Dispenza does a walking meditation, believe it or not. Yeah, right. A meditation as you walk. There's a thing. So I'm I'm still not there with it yet. Like yeah. I'm still a fucking long way away from being regular with those kind of practices. But like I had like a relationship breakup and that really like really got me fucking doubled down on, on just myself as a person because I know that a relationship between some two people that love each other a lot and that have been through a lot together that isn't a one-sided thing when that breaks down there's two people involved in that and i had probably spent too much time thinking about what her side of that was and not enough of what my side was i could tell you all the things that she did that fucking pissed me off yeah but i genuinely didn't know my role in that and i was that fucking pissed me off mm. and i was like it's a, it had to happen everything went the way that it did and then I was like I'm going to fucking work on myself mm. and that's when so much of that I did a lot of like that searching for those kind of 
uh, those what you're talking about, like those kind of teachings, and mm. and then I did start to, I, I looked at shit like washing up, fucking shit job, doing my laundry, shit job, cleaning the house, fucking. I didn't want to be doing that shit. I'd rather be in my head thinking about all my goals and fucking just mm. like the wheels just turning constantly because yeah. it feels good. It's like gluttonous to live in that state yeah. you're very distracted mm. you don't have to be with yourself as much yeah. and i was like man i'm not really right with being just by myself i've got no enjoyment in washing a dish you know what i mean mm. like i've got no enjoyment in vacuuming the house i was like i feel like i need to chase that state yeah where i can be okay right there mm. remove myself from all of my problems and worries and all the external shit and just be like okay with like me in that moment and it's like you talking about that took me back to when i was practicing that a little bit more than even i am right now Mm. so it's like it's a fucking constant battle and the meditation thing is something that i really struggle to do consistently yeah even though it's something i really want to do and i believe in it and i see the value but it's the same thing as what you're saying about you know you didn't really think that you could be the world champion. Mm. Like right now, I don't have like my identity. Like I don't identify as a person that meditates every day. I can't see that future version of myself. Let, let me tell you something that might change your mind on that, right? I, I want to change my mind. Well, on it, trust me. When you meditate, right, it, it affects your, your brain waves. Now, what it, but what it really does as well, one of the greatest things that it does is, is your, your brain-heart connection uh, is able to increase because when you shut down all the noise, it then, it then. It's so, Dr. Joe Spencer himself did the. This did is where the I've thing. learned a lot of and that. And you stuff, see all yeah. this. It's all crazy. It's all erratic. But then when, well, when you when you calm your mind down and you're present, the 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 brainwaves are going straight. Now they also can connect to your heart. If you want to med- if you want to manifest your best way of doing it, you need to, to be more whole. Your heart and your brain connection is the best thing that you can do to be able to manifest. Because once your heart and the dreams that you that you envision are matched with your head that's when the manifestation multiplies by so much much more yeah. and so um and so it, uh, knowing that then you know you're thinking okay well it, it's definitely worth my while try, trying to stop the noise yeah and then you can uh, then you can sit down and you can um you can do that a lot more i mean if you know that it, it, that this will help you actually hit your goals and you know that that's a, that that's the scenario then i think you're going to go and, and do those things but then it's still that thing though where it's like the the self-worth thing yeah you know, it's like you've got to feel like you're worth all of those things yeah like, i get you, you but know? but i mean also like we live in a very high dopamine society like a high stimulus yeah which is dopamine so if you're finding how to meditate maybe just try and give away a lot of your hours on your phone and the tv just try and do a few days getting around with not much stimuli and so then that will then stop that need in your brain for for dopamine yeah it's i i say it's like i don't know if it's the right term but it's like it's gluttonous it's like I'm like fucking pigging out on all of the those things that give you that dopamine. Yeah. And it's like, it's real hard to let go of those things. It's like, you are right. And mm. I'm in the stage of my learning about all this shit yeah. that I know you're fucking right. Mm. But there's still that old, there's that old me that is still living in that that world. And I still have an attachment to that world. And it's like, it's hard to say that. But like you have to be honest and say like I'm still needing those things. Yeah, so, yeah. But I mean, we, we all do to a degree. I mean, it's it's one of the things that you, if you if you have a kid, man, uh, uh, my little my daughter, she's like she's nearly like one of my greatest teachers now because 
when I'm with her, she wants my full attention. Now that's probably her thing, okay? But I have to be with her, okay? No, no phone either, because she lacked up. Yeah. I've got to be with her and play with her. And that was so hard for me to do at first. No, I enjoy playing with her, but just to be that, because I usually to have be my, present. yeah, because I usually have YouTube on all day long. Yeah, always listening to a tune. I love music, so it's like no, she's like it's like it's like her little way is that me and her are just constantly, and I've just realized. Then I was realizing, going, wow, this is really bringing me right back, and she's actually helping me with this. And now that we have another kid on there now as well, I find that all those other things that make the most noise now all have taken the back seat. Yes, when I get the chance, I jump on there. I'll I'll be on the YouTube trying to see what else I can learn, like I always do. Yeah. And I, I listen to my favorite songs and everything else. And um, it's a very odd Netflix thing, but um, but yeah, it's still there in the background, wanting to be. Play but but having kids, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, game changer. That's crazy. Yeah, though. yeah, they demand it. Yeah. They demand it. So where do so we were talking about the psychedelic stuff before. So mm. like where does all of that fit in with like the knowledge like that you kind of learn externally? Does okay. that make sense? Okay, so for me, um um again, mushrooms, we I I start picking those uh, eating them as a, as we picked them back in the day. And um it, you know, uh I had the strangest ever and it still resonates with me today. The first time me me and my cousin Dara, we um we went down to the field and, and we we got these mushrooms and, and we uh, we ate them. Uh, as we picked them, and we decided to jump because we weren't going to go home. We decided <laughs> we decided to jump on this rapid town link that brought us into another town. And as we did, start coming up on the bus, and it was just so. Anyway, it was like, wow, this is this is intense. But I remember walking around right, and I remember laughing at everybody. And what it gave me instantly was, you know, you see people in a rush. Yeah, I was there going. What for? What's everyone rushing around for? <laughs> and it was the first time I ever had that insight. I could see people rushing around doing all this, and in my mind, for the first time in my life, I thought these people think there's a rush to get like, you know what I mean? There's no, they're going to rush yeah. to get home to do nothing, and all these perspectives just start hitting me, and all I found was funny, and. I remember my cousin going, "Stop laughing!" I'm like, just because I was just laughing out loud like an idiot, and. Um, and then after that, the next day, I was going, where, where were those thoughts coming from? What was going on there? I was like 14 or 15 there, you know? And I was like having these epiphanies that now gurus are speaking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're talking about, you know, calm down, relax. Like, what's the big rush? And I was having those epiphanies at 14 just after taking a few mushrooms from a field. So I knew that there was something to psychedelics and I was always very interested. And the odd time um, when I was drinking, I, I would take them. But It's they, different, eh? It is different. You've got to have an intention with yeah, it. Yeah, I got to have an intention. But I, I learned a bad lesson one night. Um, one night, one night. Um, uh, if my cousin is watching this, he'll remember this. And um, I had been, uh, we were out and we were partying and I had some, and uh, I wasn't being particularly nice at one point. And um, and so I wasn't genuinely going out of my way to be bad. But I thought I was right in some scenario, and um, and I and I wasn't very nice anyway. And I wasn't all that bad either. I'll just state that. But I just didn't present myself well and I wasn't being kind in, in that moment and not true to yourself that person right and so and so as the party progressed all of a sudden instantly I started to feel like the boys that were there had all turned on me and everybody was being sort of malicious towards me and this was really weird for me I thought I was freaking out and I, I started to get scared. Now, if you threaten me now, I'll go the other way. I won't be getting scared, let me tell you. Walking forward. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but this one I got really like... 
and uh, and I had to ring a taxi and the boys were like you're okay relax but I was like I'm like why are you talking about me like this and they weren't talking about anything to me and, and I went home and I was awake all night and it was just it was a it was a I was having all these sort of things but when I finally came down off it all I realized that how I had made the other person feel in that moment especially me being who I am eh like I probably because what I felt like everyone had turned on me and I probably gave that person that feeling. So what psychedelics did for me within a couple of hours yeah. was turned it on its head, made me feel the insecurities that other people may be feeling if I act a certain way. And and it was scary for me at that point because I wouldn't usually feel that on a conscious level. Yeah. So that was an eye-opener for me then as well to be much more um, uh, conscious of what you say and how you react whether you're right or wrong it's yeah. going to have bigger influences on other people and I felt that like and I felt that strongly so I was going this is it so then that was the last time that I ever um, took psychedelics while, while drinking alcohol uh, I had given up alcohol and I have given it up and I've been off it like since August of 2011 but psychedelics um, I always like to do shadow work so again with mentors and going back to look at stuff and see different things I take psychedelics with an intention yeah. to, to to really get down into the core of what's going on and, and who I am and looking to see if there's anything I can pull up and um, just just over Christmas so I I mean I can I don't know what way to tell the story in this but um, just over Christmas I had taken because uh, again after the loss of Charlo I had, t- I had taken I, I had DMT I got some DMT and I usually do it with my friends with, with, my, with my circle um, because setting setting is a very important part yeah. but this time I wanted to do it by myself had you ever done it by yourself? no never before not, okay. not before this time over Christmas because I went in with an intention I said, I'm going into the intention to see if there's anything down there. If there's anything in there right now that's still messing with, with how I feel about myself or anything like that. Um, uh, may it come to me. <laughs> and so I hit it. Fuck, that's, a sc- that's uh, scary, bro. Yeah, yeah. Because I've got some shit that I'm like, when I do that, I've got some shit in there that I really want to try and like reconcile. And I, I've got to the point where I feel like there's something in there that's holding me back. And I've kind of got little visions of it through uh like mushrooms and and cannabis but then i'm like i feel like that that's sort of one of the reasons i'm putting off dmt is like because i'm like that's the thing i'm gonna have to like look that fucking thing in the face and it's like it's a scary thing man to like know that you're gonna feel that uncomfortable and be faced with something i I get what you're saying but i i welcome these things It, it was like it was like when i wanted to give up alcohol Right, and I sat and I went to a twelve-step program meeting, and I wanted to be there. So when I make up my mind on something, I want it, mm. regardless of how bad. Because because no I matter how much it sucks. Because I want the benefit of it, and so that's why I hit this and I hit it a little bit harder. And I was still, you know, with DMT, you go into another dimension, eh? Like, and you just go back. But I still had another bit to grab another bit because I said, let's just do this. Let's like, And I went down and I just went, oh God, this is too intense. I went, oh, I might have overdone this. But how, how I got through it was I just let go and I just kept giving, just kept giving love to everybody and everyone and the whole world and the universe. And, and I just gave it all out. Everything that I had inside me, gr- gratitude for everything that I had and everything. And then eventually you get over that, you know, that peak of it. So when you were in the in like the real intense part of that experience 
you just decided that the way to get through it was to give just give love because I because I figured out in my life that when things aren't going good for me mentally, well, I'll I'll search people that need a hand in in some way or another. That's why I do little things with. Um, that's how I end up doing bits with Parkinson's boxing and stuff like that, or whatever it is. I find that for me, I used to go out to the jails with the with the twelve step, um, and I used to and I used to see that when I when I was going through stuff myself, giving back was always how made me feel good. So in this moment when I was there, going, this is slightly terrifying now because I'm now going through an ego death. Well, I was I. I sort of felt like I was, but I, I, I was, um, I was still conscious and of, of, of whatever. And so I just kept giving out, giving it all out, and wishing the world well. And yeah, just, and all of a sudden, I came right. It came right back to me. Within twenty seconds of doing that, it came right back to me. And then I was over the peak of it, and then I was enjoying the rest of it, which is you just seeing all this crazy, beautiful stuff. And um, and it wasn't even then that it came to me. It was afterwards, and I'd finished up. And um, and and I was sitting there, and then I was just sitting there, just in that sort of meditative state. It's very easy to meditate when you're finished with that stuff. Let me tell you, yeah, your, your you conscious kind of brain got nothing is to live, uh, you, nothing left, right? Yes, your your conscious brain is just shut down yeah. completely. It's just your subconscious now speaking to you. Anything that's coming to you in this vibe is your subconscious talking to you. Yeah. And it came to me, and it said, because yeah, again, I was like, what? What is anything hindering my success? And then I said, what is success? And I said, well, why have I been chasing this all along? And what's been going on for me? Well, why did I feel like I need to chase success? And it brought me from one thing to another, to why did I even, um, when I was younger, I used to like to chase girls. When I was, you know, even younger than a teenager, I used to really fancy girls and I used to do that. And then I started to say, was it by getting with them, was that validation? Yeah. Was I looking for validation? Why was I looking for validation? And I started to get really deep on it onto the point that I got, I came back to a moment in my life when I was a kid and I remember somebody that I really looked up to and they're still in my life today and there's, there's no badness around them, but this was a perception when I was younger. This person that I really looked up to and I was a cheeky little fuck, like I was really bad and uh, like, and I thought, I thought I was having the crack but really I was just a young kid being cheeky as fuck to all these older fellas that were around my older brother being one of them it wasn't my brother in this instance and I remember I had I had I had said something that obviously threw this guy over the edge and he was a guy that I really looked up to and he gave me a bit of a fucking of a, of a, of a shit storm you know you're a little you know and I, yeah. and I looking back now seeing it I'd be like you know oh I would have deserved I was, it because yeah. I was a little cunt but I remember it brought me back to how I felt and it made me feel this small and really and really vulnerable and maybe that, like, I never was what I thought. And this was only about the age of eight, eight or nine years of age. Um, it was after a boxing session one night, and 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 so what I did then at that point, this was this was about half ten at night. I jumped on there, and um, I hit up Mimi, who does this. She does lots of Tony Robbins stuff, and she's she, she's helped me break through lots of blockages and barriers. And so I got in, and I seen her the next morning at half nine. And I got in there and I said, right. I just walked in and I was barely able to, because I was still raw in the of the, in the emotion, you know, my conscious brain of like, you know, uh, you know, if something's coming up for you, can over overcome it. But in this moment, I was like, I had to take a second to tell her because I was still feeling the raw emotions of when I was a kid. Yeah, that's how powerful this stuff is. Like for me, when I go in with this intention, so she got me there. We she brought me back to it. We seen the benefit in it. We seen all the positives and all that stuff, and we gave it away. And I, I consciously and unconsciously gave it away and let it go. And that's what it was. And it was, 
it was great to, to see that that would, could have been something that was, it obviously was harboring stuff inside me. And so what do you think like the core underlying thing was that like, what was the significance of like him making you feel so small? Oh, the significance is that, was, is that the, was the life journey and, and the, the amount of self-work that I actually do on myself and my willingness to go do that. Yeah. If, if that hadn't happened, I may have just gone on and done boxing and been very successful and not even cared and gone on to do other stuff and just in this and not be me right now. Yeah. But maybe that was the exact turning point where where I where I grew this thing of okay, well the negative in it was that it was kinda harboring not good enough feelings. Yeah. But in those but in the but the positive to that negative was, that was I was on this mission yeah. to find out what it took to do whatever it takes to feel good about myself, to vindicate myself, to 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 have to to be able to feel not like that again. Yeah. And that was for maybe that was true success that I was I mean consciously I love boxing. Consciously I love to win. Consciously I love all those things all those things. But that may have been the subconscious driving force as well as uh, other things. Like I'd done it, as I told you about it, the quantum collapse theory, I'd done that before as well on myself too and I had some beautiful um, realizations and it upped my self-worth and my, it shifted my most in, uh, inner dominating thought. But there's still other little things in there like you know, that, that, yeah. are, that are sitting there. And when I asked, was there anything else? And that came up for me. I knew that that was a major block and I knew that I gave it away then that, the next day for sure. Well, it makes sense. Like I'm just trying to, I'm thinking about just that moment of that guy saying that, oh, like how it made you feel super small in that mm. moment. And then you've got, from that moment, you've got something to prove. Mm. And then it's like you attach success to something to prove. Mm. And then you're like, well, what is success? And then it's sort of, I guess it, circles back that's like hey I've got nothing to prove mm. and success isn't the thing like in terms of boxing world titles or girls or this and that maybe it's none of that and it's like you can kind of let go of all of those things mm. and just sort of start to harbour in on, on uh, like sort of um, narrow in on just like yourself you're doing, it, you're doing it now out of inspiration Yeah, you're doing it now because again accomplishment is my top value Yeah. so now I'm just hitting my values so it, it no longer needs to happen for me to feel yeah. good that actually blocks itself if I needed to feel good to be if I needed to be the champion to feel good how was I ever going to feel like the champion yeah so that's a block yeah how can I resonate as the actual champion so maybe that was what was blocking yeah. me before but now that I no longer no longer need to feel that way to validate myself I can feel like the champion and I can truly feel like because there has been shifts in me in the last few months yeah I, I'm I'm just on a different level I feel vibrationally as well so because yeah. um, I feel like you have to get yourself there so I've never been more certain um, and so and again it's like you said what is success well when my hand gets raised in victory it's not it's not all that it is for me I look back over the over the journey of what it took to get there and that's where the meat yeah. is for me yeah. it's not just in that fight and in that moment where I'm everybody's around and you know because that moment only lasts a second that moment, that moment only lasts a second yeah. and and it's it. that's more I feel like that's more ego but that's okay I mean that's okay but for me the, the real juice and, and meat yeah. is in what it took to get there yeah 
And so that's why I feel like that's that when, when I win that world championship for the first time, when I look back on all of this, every moment, I feel like that's just going to make it feel like, you know, and whatever. And, and all these little things that I'll keep hitting along the way. Yeah. You know, so um, it's, it's, I, I, it's called shadow work and I'll do. But again, with the psychedelics as well. So um, I'll start off with Cleary. So uh, I don't know if I should be saying nah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so Cleary is like, Dennis, I've got this stuff DMT. And I'm like, whoa, well, I've heard of that. But um, I'm also um, somebody who, who's got a very addictive personality, so maybe I, don't I should think stay you could get addicted to no, that. You ca- I know now you can't. Yeah. Not unless you want to be shitting it every night, you're, and like yeah. scared it before you do it every time. But that's not. Uh, so you can't. So no. But I will speak that he said, come, come and um, uh, come and have a shot of this with me. So I've done a lot of research as I would do before something like that. Before and I, anything. And yeah. I seen that it's not an addictive thing. If anything, it can help you. There's something called is a peyote that actually. Yeah can get people unaddicted to heroin and alcohol in one one go is the drug in that okay yeah. mescaline is yeah. the yeah. actual yeah okay so anyway so i did it and we went over there and um i did it i i did it for the first time i i i took three were you real ones. scared before it? i was nervous yeah yeah i was nervous but being mccleary though real he was real relaxed in, yeah. yeah about it and i took one first off and i was like yeah there's something to this all right so i said next time i'll i'll go three ones and um, as I did and I went down I knew that you had to let go because yeah. it's in my nature to fight Yeah, you know so fight or flight was kicking in I knew I had to let go and then down the tunnel I went but in this mo- so t- the craziest thing I ever seen mate right was just it seemed like this object I don't even know what dimension it was in but it sort of reminded me of something like that like that band yeah. it was all entangled and next thing all of a sudden about a million heads just went <laughs> with snakes all at once right and I was like what was I, I was like what was that and so at the end I don't really remember what went on in between that but I remember when I came out of it Andrew clearly said I'd said that I went whoa that's exactly what I was looking for now I wasn't looking for anything up to that point so I don't know what yeah. I can't remember because you can't remember these things but I yeah. did remember that and I did do a little bit of researching because after I hit it I usually see a lot of snakes um, in there and when you google snakes it's a representation for transformation as a snake sheds, sheds, its, sheds skin. its skin and there's, there's a few more symbolisms as well also but um, but it was just like to have a trip and to see something that has a symbol why am I getting symbols and then I also seen one time I seen snakes on a staff and I went, what's what's going on here with this? And I started to Google that. And then there's some staff from a Greek god called the, the Caduceus or something like that. And that's actually going around. It wasn't the same thing that I seen, but similar to what's on an ambulance. And that's a symbol for medicine. That's uh, a symbol. And it's also a symbol for the god. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That is on the ambulance logo. It is on the ambulance. And guess what else it's on that led me to read? It's on the book, Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah, right. And then that led me to read that book as well, and which was mind-blowing. And that also goes into pineal gland activation by yourself without taking psychedelics. So like it Kundalini was, yoga. Kundal- all that stuff. Yeah. And so that how did that loop on itself? It's crazy how it looped on itself. But even even but even that night, um I even learned a lesson. I even got a little lesson from 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 the DMT itself. So the next time I said, "Right, that was good. We, we've got a bit left." I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna go again, um, and because I always go in with an intention, uh, more so, um, unless I don't, which is just with the boys. And but anyway, I'll talk <laughs> about that. But um, so this time I went right. I said that was three. This is I'll go six, 
and I did six and I went oh no I've done this too much it was too much I felt like and I was just there and I was sort of fighting it and there was nothing I could do I just felt so uncomfortable and you know I'm seeing all this stuff and I just said uh, clearly I had a friend there in the house that night and uh, I just remember saying to myself I said this is too much I can't handle this in my head and next thing all of a sudden I felt a nudge and the guy beside me goes it's okay brother I've got you and he put up his hand and I went like that and I just and next thing it felt okay and coming out of it I remember going oh hold on I'm holding hands with this guy and then I remember going All right, as I snapped out of it I said mate how did you know he goes I felt you I went oh you're having a laugh and I know I'm saying this on a podcast I know how crazy this sounds but I felt like the fabric of, of reality was broke down and he yeah. felt what I was putting out and he actually put his hand out and, and uh, clearly he was just sitting there too he was just looking and smiling going what are you guys doing <laughs> <laughs> but so but I, lear- I learned that the lesson in that was just because something was good doesn't mean you have to overdo it which is me and my whole life uh, that's me in even in my training, training I'd over train but me in, in anything that what I used to do with alcohol what I used to do with when I was partying if anything feels good for me I have to order, like I'd have a coffee here just say with you right just say it's the morning have a coffee that was good mm, when's my next one coming yeah. Like and so that instantly in that moment said just because something's good doesn't mean you have to overdo it you know there's there's um, there's moderation to be used here especially with psychedelics Yeah. so I'll just tell you that um, one of the biggest things that I had for me afterwards and I've done it a good few times since one of the things I had after that was I remember that um, ever since giving up alcohol I remember having these dreams at least once every week or two weeks where in this dream I would be at a social event and my friends would be there family would be there next thing I'm having a drink right and it's not it's, it's no problem and next thing I'm either having a drink and then I'm taking drugs as well or something and I remember, and and in the dream, next thing, all of a sudden, everyone started to turn on me, going, "What are you doing? You're you're better than this. Like you're, you've given this up, and you've got a bigger vision, and all this kind of stuff." And next thing, I start to freak out, and I start to feel all this guilt and shame, and I'm starting to hide from people. And then I wake up out of this dream, going, "Oh, thank God, that was just a dream. That's that's intense." And I, but I would be harboring guilt and shame, and and I may harbor it for a few hours, the rest of the day, or even into the next day. Ever since I took DMT, I've never had a dream like that again. I've had dreams where I've I've been with social socially drinking and whatever else, and I've had no guilt and shame attached to it. And I feel like that is as after rewiring my brain somehow to not associate guilt and shame to anything. Yeah. Like like I don't feel guilt and shame towards anything now. Uh, it it would come up if I did something that was shameful or guilty. Or I was guilty of, but not just for memories or any of it being me yeah it totally detached that and there was one other little thing that happened was i remember i I love going sitting in this part of brisbane looking over the city and i i love looking over and seeing through the windows and going you know like just letting my imagination take over someone might be coming in they might have just got a promotion at work and they're partying someone else may be there and they may be struggling financially someone else might be there and there's all this stuff going on all in this one area and that sort of mesmerized me a little bit and um, but I remember thinking, you know, for the whole love of the city that I've got of Brisbane, and I do love it, and I love looking at it. You can never experience all of it in one go. And th- I don't know why I used to think like this, but like it's like that person's only feeling what they're feeling. That person's only feeling. And I don't know why, but I used to think these things. And after taking DMT, I can sit there and I can have a feeling for the whole all of it at once. Now I don't even know what that means, yeah. but I can just sit there and just be satisfied. 
And I don't know what that means, but it's it's a true feeling that I have that I didn't have for all my life before then. Yeah, I don't know. I, I love the fact that that you're even able to talk about this stuff because like fuck it helps people so much man like Mm. it's insane and to hear from people that are super successful and on the right path and doing positive things like you do your charity work you're a father and you know it's like you're you're a model of like a good guy that's fucking having a real go Mm. and it's like and these are things that have helped you get there and it's like I, I love the fact that you can be so honest and open about those kinds of things because it's like they really do fucking help people mm, yeah yeah I feel I feel like um, that psychedelics one you know talking about that I didn't really know if that was going to be good or not but if I had a if I had a a, a positively profound effect on me yeah then it, 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 it can with other people and so why not talk about it now so um, so yeah, so it, it is. It is what it is, as they say, and uh, and I think, and I just hope people can get the same benefits if they if they are looking at that. But also, um, that you're also very careful about. Like when I done all yeah. that stuff, I looked into it. Like not when I was a, a kid picking mushrooms in the field, eating them as I picked them. Well, I think mushrooms but, but, are pretty but, gentle. But, but yes, they are, especially in comparison. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to go and do anything, definitely do your research on it. Know what can happen, and um, and definitely always start smaller than yeah. than. A larger dose of anything that you're looking to do and i'd say too to people like the one thing that i get a lot with like talking about um cannabis and stuff i'm like you can't really fuck with it mm. like i did a i flew back from melbourne the other day and cleary actually rolled me a fucking a joint for um the day that i was there and i sort of had planned like i don't smoke a lot when i smoke so this joint was going to last me like that day and then into the next day but the f1 got cancelled so I just pieced okay. out fucking, I pieced out a day early. Yeah. So I had this fucking, this baseball bat that Cleary's fucking roll for me. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go deep on this motherfucker. Ooh. Like but right before the Uber picked me up. Mm. I was, and I've done it before a flight with edibles. Yeah. And I just got fucked like proper. And I was in that, I was in that same sort of space where you are with mushrooms or any like real, real psychedelic where it's the like, box. you feel like you're going to, you're not going to come out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, I just, I was in the mood. Like, you don't want to do that shit all the time. Yeah. But I was just in the mood to just fucking go deep. Like, I feel... It's interesting, too. Like, one of the things that you were saying about, like, chasing girls and shit, mm. this is the first time in my life where I've been single and I ain't fucking bitches for validation. Mm. I don't need it. Mm. I used to need it, bro. Yeah. Like, I used to fucking need that shit. Yeah. I struggled in relationships because of it. Like, it ruined relationships with girls that I really cared about and that really cared about me because, like... And I was never like a cheating guy. Like I wasn't that dude, but I was always fucking just in that headspace where I just felt like I needed that kind of validation. Yeah. And this is, and this is one of the things where it's like, I know I'm not all the way there. And especially, you know, with like that, that meditation, letting go on the distractions, I'm not all the way there yet, but this is what makes me think I'm semi on the path. I ain't fucking bitches for validation. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. was that dude, yeah. man. And yeah. now like I, and it's not even like um, it's hard to explain. It's like I still get that it's fun and why it can be fun, and I'm not looking down on it, and I'm yeah. not like there's no there's no negative feelings towards that. If you still want to do that, it's fucking all good. But like for whatever reason, like that had a negative impact on my life and my development as a person. Yeah, that's the that's 
I guess the level at which I cared mm. about the feeling that was associated with banging a super hot chick. Yeah. That's fucking gone. Yeah. And I feel like it's because of that work that I've done on myself. Like mm. I had to look that in the face, mm. which is uncomfortable. <laughs> it's fucking uncomfortable to look that shit in the face and admit to yourself that you feel your self-worth goes up $1, $2, whatever the fucking value you want to put on it when this shit happens. It's like, do you want to be that guy? Yeah. And it's like, I was forced to fucking stare down that that barrel through doing those, you know, psychedelics. And even with cannabis, man, like I really mm. believe that that is a psychedelic when, yeah, you, it when is. you go deep enough yeah. with it. Mm. And it's like, I regularly put myself in that fucking hurt locker. And it's like, and then people will tell you like, oh, it's fucking, you know, you're a fucking stoner and this and that. And it's like, if you're doing it a lot, then there's a problem with pulling out the lessons that you yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not really giving yourself a chance. And the problem with weed, and this is where weed's a real motherfucker, is that the effect of that drug, it makes you so introspective. You can live in that zone. Yeah. And then you can just keep this constant, like, rumination, and you can just keep going over and over and over in your head. And it feels good. It's the same as a distract. It's a good feeling to, like, you think that you can solve the world's problems yeah. and your own problems by, like, existing in that state, but you can't. Mm. And that the physical effects of that drug, it's not like fucking Coke or something where you're like, all right, let's get up, let's do some shit. Like, you're fucking, yeah. you're heavy. Like, yeah. your existence is heavy on that couch or that beach or fucking wherever you are. And it's like, then the challenge is to come out of that and like you know put those lessons into you, into practice you have to live that life then mm. terence mckenna said that I, I, if for anyone that doesn't know he's a, a massive advocate for um dmt but he said that he actually did smoke weed on a, a on a daily basis but he said that the best way to do it is to not smoke it and then get into it yeah hit it heavy but he believed hitting everything really heavy yeah but he had gotten his, himself to that state where he was able to do it i don't say hit it heavy until you get used to it yeah you can't yeah yeah but if if you if you don't smoke it for a while or like do anything and then you do it and you have an intention there you will see a lot of stuff i i i, I definitely know that um, a few people that smoke um we that i thought straight away the introspective of it i'm like dude what are you even thinking that stuff for like jesus that's and then i'm like and after talking about it i'm like do you know what that does make sense so yeah. i'm like that seems like years of thinking <laughs> it is you know what i mean and yeah. then i don't know if that happens in one go or if that's just through smoking it on a daily basis but i'm like oh wow you can yeah. i get in that zone every day mm. i like being there yeah. but now it's just levels like there's levels to it now it's like you've got to be a functional fucking person like yeah. you can't like you have to take things out of this otherwise it's just a waste of time yeah. you're just a fucking stone philosopher yeah <laughs> then that's fucking useless like yeah. what's the good of that kind yeah, to anybody yeah. you know so but um what so what when are you what's coming up for you like when are you have you got things booked in or have you got like any sort of roadmap in terms of your next uh your next couple fights yeah so uh, my, my next fight is uh what is so they told me as i say going the middle way to do this fight they said uh if you when you come back to your weight of 154 you will have a straight title eliminator so um so that's on the cards next it's just about getting it in now yeah. um now with, with the, the coronavirus now let's put it off i did think it would be may or june but um i don't know people are talking about september now and stuff like that i don't I, maybe that's just hysteria uh, i don't know but i um i don't think anyone can know at this point nobody can nobody can know and they certainly won't and i know that uh, but I know that they PBC are, they do they, as I said they, I came to fight 
I really did come to win and um and they they're happy for me and they I believe they want me as their champion um and so they're going to give me the, uh, a fight and then I'll fight off against one of the champions. so the, you can't call it an official eliminator because I haven't worked my way up in the rankings there because I've just yeah. been a middleweight yeah. but the, what they can give me is an unofficial eliminator which is give me one more win and then they'll hook me in to fight one of their champions which would be a voluntary defense of one of their champions yeah you know where I fought Mungia that was a mandatory I'd gotten to number one and gotten the mandatory status yeah you know and then the last one was a voluntary defense you know so that's how it works and so have you are you like in the gym working training to sort of to stay sharp throughout this whole process or you got a bit of time off or how's that work yeah look uh, um um i had gotten myself to a really good level of fitness um uh, you know tracking it all getting stronger in the gym i had a bit of a meniscus tear which isn't a big mm. deal i went under i got a, a, i seen a, a great guy uh, john gallagher nisa specialist there in brisbane i seen him on the tuesday night he got me in on the Wednesday morning for surgery. So I got that done. I was on crutches for a week. I've been off it for a week and uh, I can start back a bit of shadow boxing this week and, and I've done a bit of training conditioning yesterday. I'll be back boxing probably in two weeks' time. Yes. Yeah, so this coronavirus kind of worked in well with uh, with my knee. The injury, yeah. Yeah, yeah but when, when he looked into it, he just went, your, your knee, that knee was like somebody that was like, you know, 15, 10, 15 years older than you yeah. from all the smashing. And I've just been very lucky with my whole body anyway that I've done well. But I do a lot of, I do all the massage. I do the chiro. I do the physio. Yeah. I do the, the magnesium baths. You know, I do all of that stuff. And so um, he just said that when he looked at my meniscus, he said that, oh, your ACL was under a lot of pressure there too. So he shaved back the bone while he was there. He said, your knee is now good to go. So that might have been a blessing in disguise mm. as well. You know, so you don't want the ACL going. So that's what's on the cards for me, mate. Um and uh, you know we'll have the bells the next time I'm back here we'll have the bells man yeah dude yeah. I'm excited well we just did three hours mate and okay. uh, I have thoroughly 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 enjoyed our chat uh, I know a lot of other people will um, and again just like to be this honest and this open and fuck man like more people in the world that are in the position that you're in like I said you've got so much to give but you're also so humble about it and it's like that's the people I want to fucking talk to I learned a lot about myself in this podcast with you and there's things that I want to implement especially the early before uh, right before bed waking up that's something that I'm going to try and make a part of my life now and uh, yeah I just really really fucking appreciate it dude. Man, you're, you're a great guy me too I really appreciate it too I was looking forward to getting on here when I see some of your clips and how you guys talk a little bit deeper and scratch beneath the surface I went well I'll have a chat like that let's do it you know so um, I did thoroughly enjoy it myself mate thank you very much you will be back and there'll be a fucking belt I can Ooh, see it now you I want to talk about visualisation let's like, give it a polish it's like right there <laughs> <laughs> right mate thank you thank very you. much